1: This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Hurts in the gun,
2: Penny to his right. This time, fires, but a completion to
3: A.J. Brown, who loses the ball. It was in and out of his hands. I think that would be, is that going to be a catch and a fumble? It is. Brown is hurt. Brown had the ball, and then the ball came loose. Is it
2: a catch and a fumble or an incompletion, Mike? He fumbled the ball, and he's hurt. Brown Come is on. down on the,
3: field. the field. He's grabbing his right knee.
2: The yeah, that about sums it up. <laughs> Brown is down. He fumbled the ball, and he's hurt. And he's hurt. <laughs> it's the Sports Bass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN Free. Mobile app, we're live at the gallery, bar, book, and games at Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Ryan Rothstein on a Monday. My on-site producer over there is Danny Ryan. And Josh Henning is back in the studios, guys. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that summed it up yesterday. (laughs) What a time to be alive. Everything in one quick fight from Meryl Reese and Mike Quick. He fumbled, and he's hurt. It was just... I don't know... I got nothing for you man. I'm
4: I'm, I'm dumbfounded.
2: Nothing. I'm dumbfounded <laughs> what at what is happening right now and what we're watching. Um it's not a good football team, guys. It's not a good team. Defensively they are awful. I said yesterday. Whew. I said all week last week. There was nothing to gain from playing guys in that game. The fact that anybody of any substance was in that game yesterday is still wild to me. But
5: Why? if you were somebody What if that, Washington wins, Mike? you go from 5 to 2 you have a home playoff game you have a different opponent i mean there's listen there's something on the line is is we don't have to debate there that there wasn't but.
2: enough on the line for me To play that game. And all I did yesterday was get guys hurt. And now I've put further doubt in my mind on what the hell happened to me. If I'm a player on that team, the best thing for me would have been to get away from the game for a week, have a bye week, get my body and mind as healthy as possible. Guess what? Whether I'm the five or the three or the two, it doesn't matter. I've got an uphill battle. So I might as well take my best swing. And the best swing for me was to just sit and watch for a week. Instead, you put that product out on the field yesterday. You put that product out on the field and then furthered it up by getting A.J. Brown hurt, Cam Jurgens hurt, Hurts uh, hurt, <laughs> and Sidney Brown is now done for not only this year, possibly next year as well. Yeah. So you did nothing to improve your spot in the standings. You put yourself in a position where you needed to depend on Washington. So guess what? At that point, I've got to say, you know what? we put ourselves in this position. I'm going to do what's best for our team, and I'm just not playing anybody. Instead, you put that effort out there. You're down 24 to nothing on the road against a awful football team. And now, what did you gain from that game yesterday? Other than the fact that everybody doesn't only think that you're a bad football team, they think you might be the worst football team in the league.
5: Yeah, I, I mean, listen, we don't have to debate the point of they should have or should not have played. No. But I, I'll just say this. Once again, a word we use a lot on this show, hindsight. Benefit of hindsight, I agree with you, Mike They should not have played. But you're going into this week, they are a dumpster fire joke garbage, this team. You had to get something on film against a horrible Giants team to try and get some momentum. Just play a quarter, play a half, get a couple drives, I, I feel good about all, yourself.
2: I know we all disagree The fact they couldn't that. do
5: that, just the last point, the fact they couldn't do that, Mike, just sums it up. They're that bad. They're that freaking bad.
2: Listen, I, I people always say, you know, like in the preseason, I want to see a complete drive. I want to see a great drive. What the hell does a great drive get you in a preseason game? Nothing. Nothing. If they would have had a good half of football yesterday, you wouldn't have felt any different about this team.
5: I think the guys in the locker room, they've been playing so bad, they need some redirect of momentum and positivity. I
2: I go back to, like, everybody remembers the Sam Bradford game. He was 8 for 8. He went down the field. He looked amazing. That didn't carry over. I mean, yeah, it would have made you feel better today if they had a nice offensive output, but... And defensively, I don't know if they got a couple sacks, called some turnovers. Would you have felt like, okay, maybe this defense has figured some things out? Maybe. I don't know. But I'm a big believer that whatever happens one week doesn't carry over to the next. So there was nothing I could have seen. But I'll tell you what, what carried over from this week was from the week before, and the week before that, and the week before that, and the week before that, and the week before that. This defense is terrible. The I mean, defense is terrible.
5: Pick a card, any card.
2: And listen, I said I didn't mind the coordinator change just because, look, hey, Buffalo changed their coordinator. It worked for them. My point was, and I was not advocating for it, but my point was, hey, look, their defense was so bad that they needed to do something, and I didn't think it was going to be a derailing situation. It has been an awful decision. It has blown up in their face. And quite frankly, I'm going to tell you this, I think that decision is going to get him
5: fired. I, I agree with you. I, I think that's a great a great place for us to sort of get into the whole, what is the problem here?
2: If I'm <laughs> Jeffrey Lurie and I'm Howie Roseman, and if it is accurate what Nick Sirianni has said, and I don't know that that's accurate. Yeah. There could have been a behind-the-scenes stuff. But Nick Sirianni is claiming that he made the decision, and they told him, if you think that's best for the team. But if that's the case, and I'm Jeffrey Lurie, I'm firing him. That decision has ripped this team apart. It blew up in his face. It backfired immensely. And if you're the head coach and your decision was this guy is a better option for our defense and this is the result, you're gone.
5: Well, it was it was a radical move. Let's keep it real. It was a radical move and it was an attempt to stop the bleeding. It, it was an attempt to be a solution for, and what happened? A bad problem got way worse, Mike. So, yeah, listen, we can take that out of the equation. This guy's been horrid. Even if he did not make that decision, what has Nick Sirianni done to say, man, this guy is great at what he does? And I understand it's a 11-win team. I understand he went to the Super Bowl last year. But at this point, you can't stop the bleeding against the opponents that you've played in the last month and a half. And with the leads that you've had and you've blown, I mean, the list goes on and on. They can't tackle. They can't stop a nosebleed. They can't pass. They can't run. This is the worst team I've seen. And there are 11 wins. When
2: I watch them play defense, it's hard to I watch. wonder how they could be that bad. I mean, they are so out of place. They have no idea. I don't know what the hell they're running. I mean, there are multiple examples. Hassan Reddick is dropping into coverage. Fine. You want him to drop into coverage? The problem is he has no idea what he's doing. He's dropping back into a zone, and then he's in the zone, and he sees the quarterback rolling. So what does he do? He leaves his zone to go after the quarterback because that's what his mindset is. I'm a guy that goes after the quarterback, so I see the quarterback roll and become free. I'm going to go after him. Well, you know what the Giants are doing like a good football team would do, and they're not even a good football team, is they're scheming the receiver to fill the zone behind Reddick because they know he's going to vacate the zone. And when he vacates the zone, guess who's there? Hey, wide receiver catches the ball, and then nobody's there to tackle him, and they're getting 20 and 30 yards of yardage. And they did the exact same thing on the other side of the field. you got Josh Sweat dropping back into coverage, and then they roll that way because they know what's going to happen. Josh Sweat is going to go after the passer when he sees him rolling that way. And Sweat, of course, vacates his zone. He goes after the quarterback, and then there's a receiver Wide open, <laughs> sitting in the zone, right where sweat vacated. I mean, you can't make this up it's about so bad. how bad it is.
5: Yeah, I, I equate it to, with, with you mentioned Hassan Reddick dropping into coverage, dropping back into coverage. That's like saying, Nate Diaz, you're best with jiu and on the ground, but we're going to make you stand up in the octagon to this fight. Like, Hassan Reddick rushes the passer. Who are you fooling dropping him back in the zone? I mean, that's just one of a million things wrong on this list with this team right now, Mike. It's a joke. And the offense is just as bad. I know the defense is. Oh, listen, listen. At what point yesterday? It was, of course, I tweeted this out because if you were at the game
2: you didn't see on TV, you saw Hurts kind of quickly put his finger up. And I was like, man, his finger looked like it got dislocated there. Yeah. And at what point do you say – and I said to myself before that injury, before the halftime and before that happened, I said, at what point do you just have to take him out of the game, not because you don't want him to get hurt, because he stinks right
5: now? Yeah, it's it's a great point. I, I mean, it was an excuse, I feel like, is his finger – Uh, The injury and they put him back out there. They shouldn't have. And he was
2: worse. He was worse. He had an awful day. The Giants just blitzed him to no end. He doesn't know what to do in the blitz. They don't have any hot reads. The offense is dreadful. Now, you would say, okay,
5: Brown went down. He was out. No Smith. No Swift. Doesn't matter. You're you're three times better than that team as currently constructed. And that yesterday. was my
2: point at not having to play anybody in the first place. Is that if you think that you can't beat this team with your other group of guys, what are you talking about here?
5: Yeah, I, I saw them report it before the game. Like you know, starters may not play. I'm like who says Jason Kelsey and Jalen Hurts can beat this team, Guess this what? Giants team? Guess
2: what? They put 10 points on the board when the starters came out. They actually had – they moved the ball a little bit. I mean, it was a joke because Mariota fumbles. He throws an interception. And then they run the bubble screen. And, of course, the Giants know the bubble screen's coming. They pick it off. And the Giants (laughs) are so bad, they gave it the ball right back. Oh, my God. I have never seen – it's – I don't think that anybody listening today or hosting today, any of us, you maybe have done some research on this – There is no comparable situation to what we're watching. This isn't the 64 Phillies. This isn't the Jets. This isn't the Eagles with Rich Cotite. This is a -a one-of-a-kind fall, total ineptitude in all facets of the game that has never happened before in terms of a drop-off. This is a team... It's historic that has beaten. I think I saw their record against playoff teams this year is six and two. They are six and two against playoff teams this year. So you might say, hey, you know, they got lucky in a couple games. You don't get lucky in six games. They beat six playoff teams this year. Six teams that are in this playoff field played the Eagles and
5: lost. This is like a murder mystery on Netflix. That's there's no there's no ending. It's not going to be solved, right? Like I have some questions here. Like when did this start to go wrong, guys? And listeners out there, when is part one of a million? I tweeted
2: out the answer yesterday. Yeah, go ahead. Big Dom was calling the offense and the defense. (laughs) I've
6: been saying it all along.
2: When he got sacked, he was the play caller on both offense and defense. And now they.
5: (laughs) Can he be the play caller? Uh, yeah. I, think
2: we, I think we'd give him an audition. Um, a lot of people are pointing at the moment against Kansas City. Not that when you know when Sirianni was yelling at the fans, that did that turn off some
5: players? I, I just in my head, I don't know. Maybe it did, guys. But like for me, there's no I'm, answer to this question. No, there's not. But it's just trying to figure out. What could have happened to this team? A 6-2 and record against playoff teams. They look good against Kansas City. The Buffalo game, right? And right. now they can't get a first down. By the way, yeah. They beat the Buffalo Bills. A
2: team right now
5: that is win the one Super Bowl. of the
2: top five teams. If we're at Ocean. We're at the Gallery Bar Booking Games. We can go right over to the sports book there. Yeah. And then we can say, where are the Buffalo Bill on Super Bowl odds? and they have some of the best odds in the entire NFL. Third best. And at that, mo- at that moment, when the Eagles won that game, they went to 10-1, and 1, and Buffalo fell to 6-6. and 6.
5: Yeah, and the rest is history. Buffalo turned the corner, and the Eagles just fell off a, a, a cliff. A- and for me, it's like, what's worse? What's more of an enigma, or who is? Nick Sirianni or Jalen Hurts? Right, like, I'm screaming from every rooftop fire, Nick Sirianni. But, I mean, should I be worried about the quarterback, too? I believe you should be. Um, I
2: did not like the contract, and it's not because I didn't think that he played well enough to deserve it. But something, you know, what's going on in our world? This Pat McAfee thing, Mm -hmm. right? Pat McAfee gets this deal with ESPN for, like, $85 million. And there's a lot of animosity in the ESPN circle of you're cutting people's jobs and you gave pat mcafee this deal and his ratings aren't very good Mm -hmm. i mean quite frankly look i like pat he's a wvu guy i think his show is not very good and it's not translating well to television and the ratings are supporting that
5: yeah i I think his show is perfect where it was
2: it was on youtube it does very well on youtube they moved it to television now it's still on youtube now i think the similar thing happened with the eagles here is like hey this guy got paid all this money And he's not producing the same way. Now, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Is he acting different? I can't vouch to that. But I'm wondering if there's some people saying, well, you're not picking up your end of the bargain here. And any time, you know, it's like the movie Major League. When Charlie Sheen got paid the money, he started to act a little differently. And I can't accuse Jalen Hurts of acting differently. But what I can uh, accuse Jalen Hurts of is... At what point does the quarterback have to be the guy that says something that shows I'm in control here and everybody file behind me? Last week it was, we were giving AJ Brown the props because he had to be the one that comes out. You know why? Because the quarterback has nothing to say. The standard is the standard every week. Well, guess what? The standard hasn't been met for five weeks now. What are you going to do about it? And his answers are he is turned into Andy Reid. I got to do a better job. Well, it's, yeah you know, and guess what? At some point when you are the leader and you are the quarterback, somebody wants to hear from you yeah. that things are dire or things are gonna change and it's not happening.
5: I, I agree with you. I, I've Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts, my goodness, that was the tip of the iceberg for me post game. I mean my my hate from for Nick Sirianni stems from his how he handles himself behind a mic and after losses. It's just like you get knocked down three times, you get up the four. The cliches from both of those guys, when everything has fallen apart, you you sound like bozos. You sound like bozos, both of those guys. Well, you know, when Andy Reid was here, they won a lot. And then
2: when they didn't win, people got frustrated because i got to do a better job, injuries. And when the team really started to go off the rails – you were tired of hearing Andy kind of just monotonally go out there and tell you we gotta do a better job. All right, I heard that last week.
7: Yeah.
4: You
2: gotta do a better job. All right, you told me that two weeks ago. <laughs> you gotta do a better job. All right, this is three weeks now, you're telling me you gotta do a better job. Nothing's changing. And this is similar to what's going on with Hurts right now. He is essentially coming out there and saying, standard's the standard. We're not playing to the standard. We gotta pick it up. Here's something that Jalen Hurts said yesterday. After the game, I mean, he had a lot of things to say, but here is Jalen Hurts yesterday after the game, uh, after the Eagles lose that game. When And by the way, the Eagles, a lot of them took a while to come out and talk yesterday about what is the identity of this team going into the playoffs.
8: Yeah, I think that's been something that we've searched for, and we've been searching for. We haven't really had the consistency that we've desired as a team. You know, that's that's something that 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 we've been kind of looking for. We see a glimpse of it. We have that conversation all the time, and where there are moments where you see it, and then there are moments where it's like, oh man, something's not clicking. We gotta we gotta find a way to be consistent and consistent more often. Play at a high level more often, and that's what it takes to win championships. You know, in the end, it's about how you respond to it, and we we gotta respond. This is what it is.
2: Yeah, that was a whole lot of nothing.
5: (laughs) It's all he ever
2: gives, dude. Well, that's my point is he's the guy that when the team is winning, his answers are, man, he's boring. He's all business. That he wants to do more than just win. He wants to win the whole thing. Yeah. But when the team is not performing all of a sudden and there's some adversity and you're looking for something a little deeper, it's like, hey, I got a one-trick pony here. The team's not playing well. Can you give me something more? Then we got to search for it. (laughs) We got to find the answers. Okay, and listen, just what you say doesn't mean it's fixing everything, but I think that the players on this team are searching for someone to figure out what the problem is, and nobody is giving them the right answer.
5: I, I don't know how hard it is for these guys. right? Like, I think Bryce Harper needs to call up Jalen Hurts, because this is what you say, in my opinion. Let me know what you guys think. We are all frustrated. We're all pissed off. This is unacceptable. And... You know we're going to do everything in our power to write this to write this ship, but guess what? Actions speak louder than words. Right now we stink. Right, like you just have to be real and transparent. You don't need motivational quotes. What do you think of this Goddard quote? Have you seen this Goddard yeah. quote? This is
2: almost—I I don't think I've ever heard anything like this before. Josh, do you have the Goddard quote? Can you get that Goddard quote queued up? He essentially says that because they clinched the playoff berth so long ago well I'll let him explain it here's Dallas Goddard after the game
4: we had a long season last year and I just I just know everybody in this in this locker room is ready to you know go to work uh, for the playoffs and uh, ever since what was it four or five weeks ago when we uh, clinched the playoffs you know I think everybody's just been waiting for the playoffs so not something that uh, you know is a great thing but I think everybody's gonna be ready to go and I think we're gonna show the world what we're capable of He essentially said there that once
2: they clinched a playoff berth four or five weeks ago, that everybody's just been kind of waiting for the playoffs because they played a long season last year. Am (laughs) I supposed to surmise that this team looks like complete dog do, Because they're just waiting for the playoffs to start. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, Uh, is this akin (laughs) to, like, a baseball team like the Braves who have won the division by so many games that they're just kind of waiting for the postseason? And then guess what happens when they get to the postseason? They play the Phillies, a team that's been playing hard, Because they have to just to get into the playoffs, and then they lose to the playoffs. So whatever Dallas Goddard's trying to get across to me is, well, you know, we're just kind of waiting for the playoffs. You know, we knew we clinched, and we really haven't given a crap. Well, guess what? I've seen this act. And this act says you don't just turn the light switch on when the
5: playoffs get here. No, it's not going to work. The power is out. It's not like the light is off. The light switch is off. The power is out. So you're telling us, Dallas Goddard, the sense of urgency against Arizona, the sense of urgency uh, in the last five weeks was all fake and manufactured, right? We've all felt the pressure in this city surrounding the Philadelphia Eagles. Those players and coaches have felt it more than anybody, Mm. So your answers are just getting more and more bogus.
2: 609-403-0973 is the text board. 609-403-0973. I do see text messages already rolling in to start the show. And you know what's sad is this team is going to the playoffs. They're going to play Monday night. You can hear the game on 97.3 ESPN. It's prime time against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, by the way, if you are on Tampa Sports Radio right now, And you're going to the playoffs after a 9 nothing win against the Panthers. How do you feel about your team? You feel good because you got the Eagles. (laughs) You have to feel good. The winner likely goes to San Francisco. But when did this all go wrong? What happened? It's one of the most bizarre situations of a team making the playoffs weeks ago. And no anticipation for that playoff game. I can't think of any situation where your team has been in the playoffs and there's not like, hey, like maybe we can upset somebody. Or this is just, I don't care. I never seen it before. I mean, maybe when the Sixers are like an eight seed and they
5: played like uh, the Miami Heat the one year when LeBron was there and they just got blasted. That's just, that's just knowing that team stinks. This Eagles team at one point, 10 and one. 10 and one. Uh, coming up, we'll read off your text,
2: react 609 973 609 973 the sports pass live at the gallery bar book and games on the campus of Ocean Casino in Atlantic City. We're going to try our best to find some answers to all of the problems and questions that this Eagles team has. But coming up, we'll read off your text and hear your reaction to what was maybe, maybe the worst Eagles performance that I can ever remember. That's coming up.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The
1: Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free
8: mobile app. Just winning, finishing, situational football, managing these moments, um, executing in those moments, all of that. You know, we, like the beautiful part about it is you, you got an opportunity in front of us to take advantage of that. Re- regardless if you fell down five times before, it's about how you get up for the sixth one. And so we got to respond as a team, and everybody understands that. And we can't waver from that. We can't waver from what's in front of us. It's about to work. And that's how winning is done. <laughs> win, Rocky, Win.
2: Oh, that was Jalen Hurts after the game yesterday. Basically asked, what's been missing lately from this team? I don't know that he gave you any answer there, but do you feel any better? (laughs) Hearing the quarterback of your Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, listen, I don't want to dump on Jalen as if I think he stinks. And that he didn't deserve. Look, I, I said the Eagles were in a, a horrible situation. I I, I like you did. We were talking about this before the show. If I was on the air for one ratings book and it was lousy, and then I was on for the next ratings book and we win every single, single ratings there is, and then the company has to decide, are you the guy that had the bad ratings book the first time? Or are you the guy that had the really good ratings book the second time they have to make a decision how to pay the problem is in the nfl you can't just say hey you know what you had one mediocre ratings book and you had one really good ratings book we want to see what a third one looks like the whole problem in the nfl and all sports is you're trying to build a team when individuals are only looking out for themselves The smart thing to do would obviously be, hey, we have you under team control under that salary. Let's go in with you at that salary. We'll take care of you when the time comes. you got to just follow up what you did. Now, I think if he had the year that he had this year, last year, and then the one previous to that, I don't think he's
5: getting $250 million. No way. No way. Of course he's not. Last year he was the MVP. You know, this year he's been... Yeah, you know what I mean? We we all feel like he he was the best player when he played last season. So, listen, I I still feel like he is that guy. I I, I have doubt. I have questions. But I, I feel like he can get back to that or at least close to it. But... I don't know, man. I don't trust anything right now. He is not giving me a
4: lot
2: of excitement about what teams are doing to him right now and what he is doing to try to figure it out. They are blitzing him. They're pushing him out of the pocket. And every play, it's him rolling, 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 rolling to the sideline and then just kind of flicking it out of bounds. They run third down. It's the same play every time. Third down, they send a guy down the sideline. He throws it up, and it's either incomplete or yesterday it got intercepted. He is not figuring out when the blitz is coming. Now, it could be the offense if there's no hot routes. I did see a, a aerial view of a play. When the blitz came, it flushed him out of the pocket. And I see, I think it was either Jack Stoll or Grant Calcaterra running down the seam, and his back is too hurt, and he's just running down the middle of the field. And so is every receiver with him. There was nobody running anything short, anything intermediate, anything underneath for that. When that blitz came... Hey, there you are! Bang! These guys got five guys, six guys coming after me. There's got to be some place on the
5: field vacated. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I'm seeing the same stuff, but just to be, you know, devil's advocate, is it because the offense is predictable, the defense knows what's coming, and they can't audible out of anything, right? Like, it, or maybe we're pushing too much blame onto the coaches with that theory, right? Like, we, I, I don't know what it is, Mike. But I feel like it's the it's the coaching staff. That's my point. I Well, listen, that's what I'm saying in terms of
2: Hurts, I think, is a part of it. Sure. I'm not, but my point is I am not dumping on Hurts as if I think he stinks or that he's the problem. He's part of it. He's not played as well for whatever reason. Now, is he not playing as well because the offense is an issue?
9: Guys, if I could ask you. Because we obviously you know to, to steal the Jason Kelsey term it's the whole team the whole organization's the problem but like what is your hierarchy like if if Howie Roseman calls into this show right now and said Mike Gill, Ryan Rostein, give me an answer. As far as ranking who the biggest problems are right like if because obviously like if, if you go to a doctor right you know the doctor's gonna be like, look oh, there's, there's a bunch of symptoms of a, of a central problem. We have to deal with the central problem and not the symptoms. So, you know, what is the hierarchy? Because I'm assuming that there's got to be something that's a central problem that is creating these symptoms.
2: There seems to be, you know, the, the original bite that we opened up the day with was Hertz talking about the identity. They don't know what they are. They don't know what they should be. I don't even say they don't know what they want to be. I don't think they know what they should be. They feel like we have these great weapons at wide receiver. We've got to figure out how to use them. The problem is we don't have a play designer who's really all that good at using those guys. What we're good at is running the ball, but we really don't have a running game that is designed in a way that where we can feature the run because our run game is so predicated on the RPO. Well, our quarterback has not really been a part of the RPO. So we don't have a running game in the traditional sense of running the football. Our running game is a gimmick. They got nothing. Right. It's almost like the Chip Kelly thing. Nick Sirianni his first year, okay. Second year, they expanded on that. And now the third year, it's like you're doing the same thing here, and there's no peeling of the onion of more layers to the offense. Everything is similar to what we've seen before. I think what it really demonstrates, and we've seen this act before in Philly with Andy Reid, and this isn't to say that Andy Reid's not a good coach, but I do think that the staffs matter, the continuity, the trust in the assistants. If you're the head coach, how much trust and belief do you have on your assistant to say, I'm going to put a lot of this on your plate because I trust you, and I don't have to babysit you, and I don't have to wonder... I think Shane Steichen was a, obviously, you're seeing, he has the same roster in Indianapolis. They essentially have the same team. That team last year was a dumpster, and this year they were one play away from making the playoffs. With Gardner Minshew. Right, with Gardner Minshew. I think Shane Steichen showed that he is a strong game planner and a good coach. I think they're lacking that on offense. What what are we on offense? Shane Steichen said, this is who we are, and this is what we want to be, and this is who we're going to be. I don't know that they have that definitive answer offensively. Defensively. You might have hated John Gannon, but John Gannon didn't listen to you or anybody else complain about the lack of pressure and blitzes, or pressure, I should say. He had 70 sacks last year. And John Gannon... Was a detail-oriented guy, and they had a plan on defense. You might not have liked the plan, but guess what? Those players, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, and everybody else knew what their task was on Sunday. Bingo. Reddick, you're going after the quarterback. Sweat, you're going after the quarterback. And if they beat us, they beat us, but that's what you guys are here for. And I don't know that Redick and Sweat know what they're supposed to do right now.
5: No one does. You hit the nail on the head. Detail-oriented and a plan. Those guys last year, they had attention to detail. They had a plan. And guess what? They had a backup plan. All right, Josh asks the hierarchy ranking who the biggest problem is right now. Nick Sirianni is number one. All right, Chris, he needs to go, and then his entire coaching staff needs to go. I would clean, clean house. Chris
2: asked this question, 609 403 Guys, if you had to decide today, are you firing Sirianni? I was a big fan of him, but after seeing him yet another week of nothing being
5: fixed, I have leaned towards firing him. This is inexcusable. That's from Chris. I mean, I already screamed my thoughts, and just to reiterate, yes, you, you have to fire him. You have to fire him. It's it's a bleep show right now. There's nothing being managed. There's nothing as far of a plan. Do you agree, Mike, or do you disagree? I said, in my mind, Sirianni
2: has said or shown that he was a part of a team that went to a Super Bowl. He was also a part of the team that first year that went to the playoffs when they had no expectations. There is a quality there that I think he possesses. That is a positive for this team. Do I think the team respects him? I don't know the answer to that question. Yesterday's effort would say, you know what? We don't really care about anybody on this team. Now, hearing what Dallas Goddard had to say, well, we just kind of wait for the playoffs and we'll show you that. If that changes next week. So my answer is, I can't sit here and say I would definitively fire Sirianni because all I would say is this. They have to do something about the the people around him. They have to get, they have to get, they have to get, well, my point is, if they do that, then I can say, okay, I can un- I can keep. The problem is, if he is, he's the problem. He if he these is deemed less than the coordinators by the coordinators. Then you have a problem. Yeah. So then, then you have even less
9: respect. So then was was Steichen and Gannon covering up the real problems with this team? Like were were they so important to this team's success that? They're almost irreplaceable because they were what was keeping this glue together.
2: They both got head coaching jobs. People didn't like Gannon. They thought you know he didn't blitz enough. He got a head coaching job, and you might say, well, that team stinks. They were in almost every game this year, so they They were well prepared with a team that didn't have a lot of talent. So, John Gannon was an excellent coach.
9: So, Steichen and Gannon are such, so much better coaches than Nick Sirianni. That's what we're yes. suggesting.
5: Hunt, they both did a better coaching job this year than Nick Sirianni. Both of those guys. Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen. And we all know and, they had a whole heck of a lot less to work with. Yes. Um, this is, But this is not... This isn't
2: unique to Nick Sirianni. Teams lose their coordinators and then they take a step back
5: as the coach tries to figure out how much I can put on the plate of the next guy. Yeah, but that's the... Those transition years is when the head coach steps up, even if they're a CEO type of a head coach, and they say, all right, for the next year or two, I need to put more on my plate. I need to carry this ship into what it was last year. And you can tell, to Josh's point, he was never that guy. He just had great people around him early in his career. Yeah. Oh,
2: right. I listen, I, I think this is a huge example of Sirianni getting a job nobody expected him to get probably premature in over his head but had strong coaches around him that said nick do your thing i will handle the offense nick do your thing i will handle the defense you make sure that everybody's on board rah rah them right you had good game planners good schemers and i know we keep hearing all the time well this is nick's offense
5: well, then it's not a good one. No, it's not because he stepped back and did not a last season. Now he's directing Brian Johnson, and he's directing him right into a cliff. This looks like, you
2: know, he, we, we talked about he, he played at what, Mount Union? He's a D3. This looks like a D3
5: offense. I, I wouldn't. Get the ball. this offense on Friday night?
2: Try to get the ball to your best player. If you can't do that, then figure it out. This is like, hey, we have A.J. Brown. He had a streak of six great games with 125 yards. It was working. Team said, you're not going to do that anymore, us. And then they said, well, let's keep trying to get the ball to A.J. Brown. Well, we can't. All right, and then what? Well, I don't know. I, I would fire... I would fire Sirianni today, honestly. Uh, 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. All right, we got more text messages coming back. Uh, by the way, McMullen today will be at 5.30 tonight. He is going to the press conference in the 3 o'clock hour. So, John, at 5.30 tonight. we got football at 4. And, of course, you guys out there, I do want to hit on the text board. 609-403-0973. Mike and Ryan, we're live at the Gallery Bar Booking Games. I cannot believe that we are going through this with the playoffs starting a week from tonight. By the way, they got the Monday night football game playoffs, which means this. Now, even if they win the game, they got a short week to play San Francisco as a pie. The schedule makers were very kind to the Eagles. Uh, we do want to get into all the Super Wild Card matchups. There's some cool storylines and it and, and everything. But when we come back, uh, a lot of text messages flooding in and we're going to read off as many as we can next here on the Sports Pass Live on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app.
10: It's For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click
7: Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mike Gill. And
0: I am the voice of the voiceless. On
1: 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app.
9: Tom DeSandro gets hit in the mouth by Greenlaw, I yep. believe. Yep. He gets escorted off, That's right. never allowed back on the sideline. Right. They look like a completely different team.
2: That was Pat McAfee today. He, he had the same theory I did, <laughs> that maybe Dom was calling the offensive plays and the defensive plays.
5: Yeah. Apparently no, he's allowed out.
2: back for the playoffs.
5: Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Super Bowl, baby.
2: Big Dom. <laughs> 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Uh, text messages coming in. Guys, this is like Doug Peterson all over again. Does well, loses coordinators, give him the boot, Repeat.
5: What do you got? Yeah, I don't know, man. It is. It is. When you frame it like that, well, identical. Doug, by the way, that team I know basically had a rough end of the season. They did. I, I thought they were going to win and get in, but not the case. But well, they were eight and three. Yeah, and they basically became the Eagles, a little bit more competitive. Similar, obviously not as talented on the roster, but yeah. They went to the AFC Championship game last year.
2: Yeah, but that was an overachieve. I mean, they massively
5: overachieved. They did, but the thing about
2: Jacksonville was they got Ridley. Like, they added, like, people thought they were going to, like, they went from AFC Championship game. They got Calvin Ridley. You're like, man, this offense is going to be great. Now, I know Lawrence got hurt, but regardless, uh, Peterson, them... Going one and five down the stretch, I think, is something to raise your eyebrow
5: out. Let me just add this real quick. I know we have so many texts, but do we think that Laurie and Howie Roseman are, you know, controlling Sirianni like the puppet that Peterson was?
2: Uh, Colin LBI says Sirianni is a Howie puppet. I bet Howie pressured for the D.C. change this season. I think it's obvious Steichen and Gannon were the key to Sirianni's success as head coach. Sirianni even gave up play calling because he knew he stunk. So I think... If Nick's
5: back, then Howie will pick new coordinators. Hmm. See, that's worst-case scenario for me. Because I think this this is just a stench of Nick
9: Sirianni. What is best-case scenario for you, Ryan?
5: You fire everyone. You fire everyone. Well, who's you,
9: everyone, though? Are you including the
5: entire coaching? I mean, I, I okay. want to get rid of Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson, Matt Patricia. That's not generally a recipe for success.
9: That's no, for stability. stability. It's
2: not stability. Is what you yearn for, and this is team that went to the Super Bowl and the playoffs the year before. It wasn't like I they know. were three and fourteen. Like they were nine and seven, then elevated to a Super Bowl, and now they've won eleven
5: games again. And we're like, you got to blow the whole damn thing up. I, listen, it's not ideal, but you don't, you don't not do that because you want stability. So you keep guys that can't do the job, right? Like you got it wrong. I think you hit the the big red reset
2: button. Uh, Greg in LBI says, remember one of the first press conferences where Sirianni used a garden metaphor? Well, all the plants are dead.
5: <laughs>
2: that the was fertilizer. A yeah, you got to – and by the way, after that press conference, the team really took off.
5: They did. Oh, well, maybe he needs to fertilize. Uh, uh, guys,
2: need- coaches have lost the locker room. Fire Sirianni. That's on the text board, 609 4030973 Jeff says – if they are one and done, you gotta clean house. I'm surprised that even came out in text. At least we will get answers in the off season because this is puzzling. So he's saying, I can't even believe I had a text that in. <laughs> that you got to a point that they lose this game and they go one and done. I mean listen, I am not sitting here on Monday saying that I am advocating this. I have to like evaluate this a little bit more in my brain. Because, like that guy said, I can't even believe it's going into my brain. But I think the defense has been so bad, and if you go down to Tampa and get blown out again because your defense is sub NFL level, that decision has to be evaluated by the higher ups to say we gave you. Now, listen again. I don't know what we don't know what really happened. If, If Howie Roseman went in there and said you got to make a change of coordinator. This is why we
5: brought Matt in. And
2: Sirianni said, well, I don't want to do that. No, you're going to do it. That's different. Now, Sirianni made it sound like, and look, Sirianni has said stuff before that the players have said, no, he covered for us. So we'll never know who was the ultimate decision-maker on that. But if it was, in fact, Nick Sirianni, if Nick Sirianni was the person who made that decision, and they go down to Tampa and their defense gives up another 30-burger, that decision... You ask, when did this all start? That decision is the one right now that
5: is the only tangible answer I could come up with, man. I, I just want to add, I'm hearing a lot from fans saying, well, if they go one and done, okay, what if they beat the worst team in the playoffs and they get the break speed off them against San Fran? We're bringing everyone back? Like, this game means no, gonna to me. There's going to be changes. There's going to be changes. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Sports Bash
2: Live, 97.3 ESPN. Another text. Guys, Matt Patricia moved with the downfall. He stinks. The locker room saw it, and they folded. You know, I always wonder. There's got to be some split on defense. Some people kind of say, what in the world are we doing? And other people probably liked it. We'll discuss it coming up here on the Sports Bash.
1: This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill.
2: Fast Live 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Mike and Ryan, we're live here at the uh, Gallery Bar Booking Games at Ocean Casino. Eagles, Bucks, Super Wild Card Weekend. They'll play Monday night. You can hear the game right here on 97.3 ESPN. When did it all go wrong for this team? I don't know that you can pinpoint when, but I think you can come up with 10 different answers. <laughs> that's a, not a good thing. No. That, that's not good? No. Not, not ideal. No. No. Not at all. Jeez. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm racking my brain. Like, am I missing something? Did something happen? Did something stand out? And, Look. They got beat up pretty good to San Francisco. They got beat up pretty good against Dallas. Here's something that has been a part of the whole season that I don't know that we really focused on a lot because of the fact they were winning. But they were turning the ball over a lot and still winning those games. Yeah. This is a team that continuously turns the ball over. I mean, A.J. Brown catches the ball yesterday, and he turns it over. They throw an interception yesterday. They turned the ball over four times yesterday, and this has been happening all season long. So, when you have a defense that's let's just be kind, Ryan, and say are average. If you have an average defense and you keep putting them back on the field, that's not a that's yeah. not a, a, a way to win football games. It's not a recipe for success.
5: No, absolutely not. You're going to eventually break. It's, you know, the phrase bend but don't break. You have no chance of bending if your offense continues to, you know, shoot shoot your defense in the foot. So, yeah, I, I equate all those turnovers to just a sloppy team. Uh, the team lacks discipline. They lack focus, and they're not confident about the game plan. No, they're not. And, uh, we, uh, will certainly continue to read off your text messages
2: at 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. But right now, it's that time of the day. It is time for five.
6: Danny Rod. Alright, let's get it over with. No, I'm kidding. I mean there's some some positivity still in the city of Philadelphia. Phillies still not doing anything. Sixers lost two straight. Flyers aren't as good as they've been playing. Alright, maybe there's not a lot of positivity, but we're gonna act like there is a little bit. Not for the first three questions, though. It's all Eagles for the first three questions. Starting off number one, the Eagles first round matchup is set as the birds will travel to Tampa Bay on Monday night for an eight P.M. matchup with Baker Mayfield, Todd Bowles, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Guys, not going to sugarcoat it. The past six weeks have just been a disaster. I mean, that's putting it nicely, honestly. So I, I want you guys to at least try and wipe the slate clean and give me an objective answer here. What is your level of confidence heading into the Sunshine State a week from today for the wild card matchup? Well, they're favored in the game. Three
2: points. They're favored in the game. They've played Tampa this year. I don't know what you take from that game in Tampa. And you can make a strong argument. That that game may have been their most impressive, complete game of the year. They absolutely dominated them. They beat them 25-11. They ran the ball 40 times for over 200 yards. They held Baker Mayfield to under 160 yards passing. It was probably the most complete game they played all season long. That said... I think Tampa watched that film from yesterday in the last five weeks and said, we are just going to pressure, 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 pressure. And by the way, we have no answers on whether A.J. Brown is going to be prepared to play. What happened to Cam Juergens? Um Blankenship's got a groin problem. So injuries are going to have to shake out throughout this weekend as well. We'll get updates on that tonight. McMullen at 530. But guys, we talk about this all the time. This is why I don't care what the result of a game is. Oh, I got blown out. You blew the doors off this team earlier. Does that make you feel like you're going to beat them this time? No, <laughs> not at all. Do, do you feel like you, they're going to win? No, I think Tampa Bay is one of those teams. They're not great. Now, yesterday they won nine nothing. I watched that game. It was the game that was on in the local market yesterday. So I watched that game. It was painful to watch that game. Tampa's awful. I mean, they are awful.
5: But so are the Eagles. Exactly. Exactly. Like let let's be real here. So are the Eagles. I, Carolina has a decent defense.
2: Philadelphia doesn't. Carolina is awful on offense, and Tampa shut them out yesterday. But Philadelphia's offense right now doesn't know do what they don't know. What ends up? Tampa stinks, but they're not so bad. Put it this way: Tampa is better than Arizona. They're better than the Giants, right? Todd Bowles is probably the best coach on the field i i've got nothing on a
6: monday that makes me feel like in one week from now that i'm gonna feel much better all right number that for me one to ten level of confidence heading into monday on a monday four one that's higher than i expected to be honest i expected more around ryan's range one or two one they're not winning this game four I think they can win the game. Nothing tells you right now from the past six weeks of play that they will, but I told Mike, I said, I'm not gonna sit here before, you know, we were on the air a few hours before. I said, I'm not gonna sit here and just act like the Buccaneers are gonna handily beat the Eagles. They could. I'm not gonna expect that, but what I do 100% fully expect is Baker Mayfield to look like a much better QB than he has the past three, <coughs> pardon me, the past three weeks. Because it's the Eagles defense. At the end of the day, you made the switch of coordinator, you did all you really thought you could, the personnel is not good enough, and now it's really not good enough. Enough with all the injuries yesterday, more specifically, Sidney Brown tearing his ACL is the one set in stone. So I don't know that they'll lose this game. It's definitely not going to be a blowout on the Eagles side, but I think I'd go I think I'd go about a five. Right above Mike, not too much higher. But Ryan, I don't know if there's any saving your confidence in this season right now at well, all. I, I've seen nothing to be confident.
2: And I have no problem with his answer or anybody else's answer to say I, yeah, I, I have
6: no No excitement and no optimism about this team. The voice of reason doesn't even have excitement or optimism in Mike Gill. No. I mean, that's how low it's gotten. All right, number two, sticking with the Eagles, and just a general question because it needs to be asked. If you had to blame just one sole individual in the Eagles organization for this six-week collapse, just one, you have to, who would it be? I mean, that's an easy answer for me. It's the head coach. I mean,
2: he sets the tone. I'm not blaming him, but if you make me pick one guy, it's the head
6: coach. They are. Do you firmly believe that is why they've, you know, he is the main reason behind this six-week collapse, or do you think he's the face of the organization, he's the face of the project here? Both. Okay. You're the face of the whole thing. So if you have problems and you
2: can't pinpoint what they are, you have the wrong people in place, and that's on you. You can't figure it out. That's on you. And you look like a... I asked this question yesterday. If you watched this Eagles team play the last six weeks, and then they were going into the next season, their their schedule for next year just came out. Not the schedule, but their opponents. Yeah. What would you think this team's record would be after just watching them play this year? A Three to five win team. Right. That's... Maybe. I, I, I have no other answer I could give to your question other than okay.
5: the coach. It has to be the coach. Yeah, I,
6: I knew how Ryan was going to go. In
5: and that. I'm blaming him. I mean, you said you're not blamed. I'm blaming him. I don't know who else to blame. It's, it's Nick Sirianni. He gets the
6: blame. He should yeah. get it, and he's the problem. Well, the reason I ask that is because a lot of people have directed their attention or their blame towards Hallie Roseman. Obviously, Brian Johnson's been under fire for majority of the season, so, you know, Again, everyone's hating on Nick Sirianni. The question of whether or not he should return next year—it's—it's it's in the air. It's clearly evident. It's not even just a thought. It's an actual possibility. So, I, on a day like today, where a lot of people are to blame, I figure I'd ask that. But honestly, I got the answer I, I expected from both of you. I don't even know that I have a number two. <laughs> I mean, a
5: number really? two exists, but it's a—it's a—it's a runaway. Okay, is it a player? Is it management? No, it's. It's another coach. Pick a card. You can probably go. I'd go Brian Johnson because I, he's been in that position the longest. They I even,
2: saw somebody make a case. I can't remember. It might have been Bowen, actually. Make a case that Desai has strengthened his position in that he had a defense that shut down Miami, that shut down Kansas City, that has had... Solid performances this season with this talent that now Patricia can't get anything from. That Desai is saying, you gave me lemons and I made lemonade.
5: (laughs) What has
6: Patricia made? He just squeezed the lemons in the trash. In
5: in his eyeballs.
6: Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) So he can't see how to read it. Ah, it burns. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on to number three, sticking with the Eagles. Actually, our last Eagles question for Five with Danny Rye. Let's assume that the Eagles lose by one or two scores Monday night and are eliminated by the Bucs in the first round. Which camp would you be in? Clean house firing Sirianni, Brian Johnson, and Matt Patricia, and obviously the size already one foot out the door, or would you prefer to give Sirianni another chance with more experienced coordinators by his side and reassess his spot or his quote-unquote hot seat in the middle of the season? Josh, you have that bite Ready? All right.
2: uh, I want you guys to listen to this bite from Evan Cohen All right. from Unsportsmanlike, and then we'll answer this question. You will pick them to win the Super Bowl next year Bill Belichick somehow becomes the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles blindly. I don't care about Kansas City. I don't care about Baltimore. I don't care about San Francisco. Nobody is questioning whether or not Bill Belichick can still coach. It's whether or not he's the right fit in New England and whether or not he's the right guy picking the players. You put Belichick with Jalen Hurts and CC's favorite defensive player in the NFL, Jalen Carter, you are going to pick them to win the
5: Super Bowl next year. Is it that simple? I, I don't know if it's simple to get Belichick, but I said that off the air. You, you clean house, and you give Belichick the keys to the franchise. One thou- If you can do that, you do it. Now, you don't clean house just to clean it, because I think you need a contingency plan, of course, but... That's my number one option.
6: I feel like they're just two polar opposite personalities there. Belichick, very reserved, sticks to business. Sirianni, mouthy, culture leader, you know, fired up at all times. How do you think the players would respond to a different personality like that, like a completely different personality? My question is more. Go. My question is more.
2: How does Bill Belichick come into this organization and deal with Roseman? And that's not to say that I think Roseman is the problem. Look, Roseman is a part of this whole situation, but I'm not getting rid of Roseman to give power personnel to Belichick. Belichick would have to coexist, in my opinion, with Roseman, and a football guy like Belichick, is he going to get along and see eye to eye with a guy like Roseman? And guess what? If you're making me choose, I know this sounds nuts, I'd probably pick Roseman.
5: I would, too. I mean, people are throwing Roseman's name out there casually as far as blame. He is the only reason this team has won the amount of games they have won. The only reason they've had any success is strictly because of
6: Howie Roseman. Yeah, I mean, you can go and backtrack some of his decisions and review them, but to say that he's the problem here—okay, he's the problem—and he led you with a roster that got you to 11 and six. Oh, that's a huge problem right there. And they were I 10 mean, and one look, before the final six weeks. They—they they got
2: a new head coach after the Peterson thing. They won a Super Bowl. They went to the playoffs a couple times with Peterson, both disappointing, but they still made it. It wasn't like their bad years have been three and 14.
6: Right, They're not like that. Their bad years are, oh, my God, we can't go back to the Super Bowl. It's bad years in the city of Philadelphia with where the standard is. But let me ask you this real quick before we move on from three. If not Belichick, do you still reside in the camp that you want to clear house completely, including Nick Sirianni, if they lose on Monday? Belichick off the market. I will say this. To me, how that game goes Monday night is a
2: big factor. If they go down there and get the doors blown off them, and again, like I said before, if their defense gets the doors blown off against an average at best off, they scored nine points against Carolina yesterday. If they (laughs) go down there and give up another 30-plus burger to Baker Mayfield, (laughs) the decision of the coordinator, if it was Nick Sirianni's, to me is a fireball offense. And then at that point, I would say, look, you need changes anyway. The offense is ill-equipped. You might just say, look, Nick, your offense was fine for three years, but I think teams have adjusted to it. It's time to do a couple tweaks and get a little something different in there. You could stay, but we got to get a different style of offense. The, the league has changed the way they're defending and that Offense is no longer in vogue in the league. You're watching San Francisco and Dallas and other teams all kind of go with this West Coast style of offense. We're falling behind with this style of offense. So I think you got to make a change on the offense of side of the ball, regardless just because of the way the league is now kind of changing. It's like an NBA team saying, you know what? I got a great idea. Let's get all twos.
6: <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, the whole league shooting threes. Well, we'll be the team that shoots twos. No, you can't do that. The league has evolved.
6: The Eagles offense needs to evolve. Defensively, they got big problems. And Ryan, I'm assuming you're in the camp of you want a clear house regardless of whether or not they win or lose on
7: Monday.
5: Yeah, I think the only way that I'm talking about Nick Sirianni returning talking. on a on a short leash is if they get to the NFC championship game. That's the only way. Because yeah. I said it earlier, no chance I'm giving this team of winning on Monday night. But if they win, I won't be shocked because their opponent stinks on ice. So if they beat a crappy Bucks team and then get the break speed off them against San Fran, what changes between today's combo and that one's?
6: Stink on ice indeed. Baker Mayfield yesterday against the Panthers, a 72 passer rating, 137 yards, zero touchdowns, zero picks, and a 62.5 completion percentage. Guarantee he'll have at least two touchdowns. 200-plus yards and a passer rating above 85 against the Eagles. You can solidify that. All right, moving on to number four, switching our attention to the Philadelphia 76ers. With the NBA implementing new load management guidelines this season, Joel Embiid will have to play at least 65 games to repeat as the NBA MVP, meaning he can only miss nine more games max after missing Saturday against the Jazz. I have a follow-up I want to ask, but to start, what's your opinion on the NBA's fairly new role to qualify for a major award tying in with load management? I like it, but I don't like the fact that it's tied to an injury. Like, if you get legitimately, the, like, I don't know, if like you sprain your ankle. That's yeah. a tough one. His ankle injury that made him miss Christmas Day and then a few games after that. That was a legit injury.
4: If
5: you don't play enough games, though, you can't be MVP of the league. Yeah, but Fair what if it's balance. like...
6: And this will be part of my follow-up, but what if you play 62 of 65 required and you get snubbed and you're, like, the clear MVP? That's where I think it's, like, yeah, but, like, look, the year that MB didn't win the Rookie of the Year, I think he played, like, 38 games or something.
5: Yeah, 34 is, or something.
6: Um, By the way, that rule applies to every award but Rookie of the Year. So if huh. Victor didn't play 65 games or Chet, they could still win. Continue, though. But I, I like
2: the fact that... You have to have a minimum because you got to get these guys on the court. Yeah. you got to get them on the court. So, look, and, and my my answer to I don't know where your next part of this question is going is, I hope, and I don't know if it's the case, I hope, it didn't look good the other night when they had Embiid out there playing, they're getting their ass
6: kicked, and he's out the there jazz. to score 30 points.
2: That was a horrible look by whoever made that decision to allow that to happen. But that said, I hope Embiid says I don't care about the MVP. I want to win the damn championship. And I hope he learned from watching Jokic. Okay, I you won the MVP last year. Great. I won the NBA championship. And I hope Embiid says, you know what? All these years, I kept trying to get
6: that. I felt slighted. And now that guy's got the championship. That's what I won. Well, that's my That's what, I,
2: what he goes for. I'll yeah. say it
6: for the sake of asking, do you care at all if Embiid hits the game minimum to no. win a second straight MVP? Or you just want him healthy for the playoffs and that's all that matters to you? Yeah.
5: I, I just want him healthy. I, I can care less now about the MVP. We need – I feel like this team can win a championship. And that's the first time I've said that uh, in the Joel Embiid era. So guess what? If you have to play 55 games to get that ankle right, you play 55
6: games. Period. And your thoughts on the NBA's rule about load management, and as far as it applying to the awards? What, yeah, what do you s- say?
5: same, same thought as Gil. I, I like it. You have to get these guys out, get these guys out there, and you need a, you need a minimum. You need a minimum amount of games played, or else it's just, it's just a uh,
4: romper
6: room. Yeah. It's tough. Like, if he played 64 and missed it, I would be a little sick about that. Maybe they'll tweak it in the following years, but we'll see. Definitely an interesting conversation, interesting topic to bring up. All right, my fifth and final question from NBA to the MLB. No Phillies offseason news to chat about, so let's go to the Hall of Fame ballots. The Hall of Fame ballots, or at least 126 of them, which accounts for about a third, still plenty left to flood in, have been made public. Here's how some ex phillies on the ballot are doing. Billy Wagner has 101 votes, 80.2% of the third. Chase Utley with 55. That accounts for 43.7%. Bobby Abreu with 23. That's 18.3%. And then former, what was it, 2006 MVP Jimmy Rollins with just 18 votes, 14.3% of all Rollins votes was made below public. Abreu? Yes. Huh. Which is wow. shocking. So with that, my question is, Well, first off, I want to preface the results of this year's Hall of Fame class will be announced on Tuesday, January 23rd at 6 p.m. on MLB Network. But my question is, are you at all shocked with how many votes Utley is receiving, given it's his first year on the ballot? And on the other end, are you shocked with the little amounts that Jimmy Rollins is receiving during his not first, not second, but third year on the ballot? Uh, No to Rollins,
2: definitively to Utley. I mean, neither one of those guys should be sniffing them. (laughs) anything to me I mean neither one of those guys is even in the conversation for me but I'm a very difficult hall of fame grader I understand that Chase Utley is not a
6: hall of famer and Jimmy Rollins definitively is not a hall of fame I mean it already has kind of become the hall of very good but I feel like you're in the camp where you just want to make it or prevent making it the hall of very good and those two guys were very good but I agree I don't think hall of fame players and this is coming from a guy who
5: they were all-star level players they weren't Historically great players. Right. I mean, make it make sense. What's the criteria for Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame? No one can give an answer to that. Nobody. And that, that's the problem.
2: And if Chase Utley is a Hall of Famer, then we have a Hall of – we have a – look, Utley had a great run for about – Six years? Let's say six to seven, eight years, maybe. Yeah. I mean, not good enough, man. Yeah. I don't know that – never won an MVP – Not that you have to be the MVP. He wasn't even, I don't know that Chase Sutley was even top 10 in MVP voting ever.
5: Yeah, that matters. That speaks volumes about the type of career a player has.
6: Again, Chase Utley with 43% of the third of the votes that are made public so far. Utley's career just going average home runs and RBIs, and I'll get to hits in a second. 275 batting average, 259 home runs, 1,025 RBIs. Jimmy Rollins, a little bit worse average, 264 batting average, almost 2,500 hits, 231 home runs for a little guy at shortstop. 936 RBIs and nearly 500 stars. And by the way, we gave Utley too much credit. He had five years. He had five years.
2: Out of how he, many? He played 16 years. <laughs> now, some of those, you know, towards the end, he obviously fell off. But he had a five-year stretch. He finished 13th yeah. in the MVP, 7th, 8th, 14th, and 8th. So he was top seven in the MVP five times. He had a stretch of five years where you could say he was a really, really good all-star level player. Not a Hall of Fame left. Six-time
6: All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, and his sixth All-Star appearance came towards the latter part of his career in 2014. So he was having an up year at that point. He wasn't in this prime. I agree. Very shocked at Rollins this low. We'll see what the results look like on the 23rd. But that was 5 with Danny Rye. All right. It's brought to you today, 5 from
2: Danny Rye, the gallery bar, book, and games at Ocean Casino Resort. Go to the gallery. Go to Ocean. Go for the win. For more info, visit theoceanac.com. Gambling problem call. 1-800-GAMBLER, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN. we got so much more to get into, including your text messages. When we come back, we'll read and react to more of them. 609-403-0973. That text board is lighting up, and we'll read and react to those coming up next.
10: We have the perfect for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger.
7: We're sitting in traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill
1: on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app.
2: By 3.30 Sports Bash, live at the Ocean Gallery, Bar Book, and Games. We're here every Monday. Mike Hill, Ryan Rothstein, and, of course, you out there. This hour brought to you by Broadleys Plumbing, Heating, Atlantic City, uh, excuse me, and Air Conditioning. Broadleys is your trusted source for heating and plumbing service and installation for generations. Call them at 609-390-3907 or visit them online at broadleys.net. Three o'clock hour sponsor of the sports bash thanks for broadleys jumping on board the show mike and ryan live so we got a lot of text we want to hit on you guys are welcome to chime in at 609-403-0973 but what we've been kind of trying to find is at what point did you kind of bail on this team at what point did you say this thing don't smell
10: right <laughs>
5: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's had a stench for it feels like a month now. But (laughs) when was the smell? (laughs) Yeah, it's smellier. So overwhelming (laughs) that you weren't able to take it any longer. (laughs) My goodness. I think the obvious answer is that loss yesterday. But once this team blew the twenty-one to six halftime lead to Arizona at home, I said they're cooked. Can you? Okay. We've been trying to find who's at fault. Yeah.
2: What's the problem? When did it start? These are some of the things that we've been
5: like throwing back and forth and I feel like there is no consensus here. No, and isn't that the the biggest issue and what makes this team so mysterious? <laughs> right? Like I can't get this Goddard thing out of my
2: mind. Yeah, see, I'm not uh, do you think that that makes, I don't I... know to like you I, I, for those of you listening and are just tuning in, Goddard said yesterday, that, uh, and we have the audio, we'll play for you in a second, but he basically said, uh, you know, once we clinched, we, we were kind of waiting for the playoffs. Here's Dallas Goddard yesterday in the locker room.
4: We had a long season last year, and I just I just know everybody in this, in this locker room is ready to, you know, go to work uh, for the playoffs, and uh, ever since, what was it, four or five weeks ago, when we uh, clinched the playoffs, you know, I think everybody's just been waiting for the playoffs. So not something that, uh, you know, is a great thing, but I think everybody's going to be ready to go, and I think we're going to show the world what we're capable of.
2: Not something that's a great thing that we've all been just kind of. But like, am I, am I hearing this the right way? And are people not making a a big a deal out of it? Maybe I am. Is here is a guy who essentially came out and said, "Well, once we clinched the playoffs, we maybe didn't care as much." Do you buy that? I hope that's a logical uh, reasoning. I mean, at least that would explain something to me here. In a in a problem I'm trying to find an answer to, I can't. He at least gave me something. I don't know that I buy it, right? Because, but God. is it quantifiable? Like, oh, this team just said, you know what, we're in the playoffs. Last year went all the way to the Super Bowl. It's been a long run.
4: <sighs>
5: Let's just relax a little bit. I mean, it sounds asinine if you ask me. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense because then he's saying all the problems that they've been trying to fix, they've not really been trying to fix them, and they've they felt confident and fine about themselves all along. I just, I can't buy any of it. I think he's just trying to throw something against the wall and hope it sticks.
2: Sirianni, by the way, just spoke, speaking to the media, uh, quick updates. We'll see as the week progresses on AJ Brown, Smith, Juergens. And he did say Brown is out for the year, Sidney Brown. So you got all those injuries you're dealing with throughout the week. How about the stuff that Hargrave
5: has said? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just another layer to what's wrong here in Philly, right?
2: So, for those of you who are just tuning in and don't know what we're talking about, Javon Hargrave apparently was on a podcast. He was asked about the differences between Philadelphia and San Francisco,
5: and he essentially said the practices are a lot a lot tougher in, in San Francisco. They actually work hard throughout the week, and they're tired at the end of the week going into the game. He said, quote, extremely harder and, quote, much more demanding than the Eagles' practices. Is this like a Doc Rivers, Nick Nurse thing? Yeah. Well, they you compare it to like the Miami Heat. They're known to run sprints and scrimmage full court. Yeah, I think it's. I think it shows and tells us a lot about the culture. 609 Six zero nine four zero three
2: zero nine seven three. We promise text messages will deliver. Matt from Kate May. Mike, I feel like the team has been admitting a stench for the entire season. Kept waiting for them to freshen up and come to life, but now they're more of a rotten carcass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the amount of odors that are emanating from yeah. this uh, team right now. Yeah, Lysol will not febreze. do the trick. Yes. <laughs> the Febreze was getting shot on this team for the first 11 weeks. You just kept spraying it, spraying it, spraying yeah. it. And
5: you're like, oh, this thing works. And then you realize you gotta, you got to basically pick up the whole floor. It's under the floor. Mike, this is one
2: of the worst collapses in NFL history. I don't remember the defense being this bad in 1998 Ray Rhodes last year when they were 3-13. and 13. You know, B.C. in Bowers Beach, Delaware, I don't remember a defense being this inept, period. I, I can't think of a defense where I was
5: less – I never think they're getting a stop. And they're talented. I know they have flaws, okay? I'm not saying they're perfect. But this ain't the worst defense they put on the field. Hmm. Rich in the villas.
2: You guys sound like clickbait. We should all be grateful that we have an eleven win season coming off of a Super Bowl loss. History tells us that we should be at six and eleven at best. We lost half of our defense and like you mentioned, we lost two coordinators that were so good they got head coach head coaching jobs. Let's rally behind this team like we did for Trey Turner and stop being so whiny. (laughs) We're never satisfied as fans. It's terrible. Happy New Year's fellas. Looking forward to another great year of commentary from the show.
5: I don't know how to feel. Rich, <laughs> I mean, you, I'm confused,
2: the opposite. Rich, Plus, yeah. You supposed to lather us up first yeah, what?
6: and then rip us. Great commentary, but we're clickbait as well. You guys stink. Have a great New Year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I will still listen gladly.
4: Yeah. What?
2: Look, Rich, I see what you're saying. And generally, as Danny mentioned before, I'm generally the voice of some reason. I'm not some irrational, like... You're you're everybody. Like I don't go after like the lowest common denominator of human being and just keep plugging at them. I'm generally like, listen, like we've had arguments before. I don't care that the Eagles got blown out by San Francisco. The margin of victory that doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I don't care they got blown out by Dallas. You have bad weeks. There's ups and downs throughout the season. The thing that I think you can become somewhat reactionary to, Rich, is this team had ten wins and they did it in a various. Different ways. They won coming from behind. They scrapped ugly. They won impressively. I thought they had impressive wins against Tampa Bay, Kansas City. They had the come from behind win against Buffalo. They found a way to come back against Kansas City. So they've won in different ways, in different fashions, against different levels of teams. They had games where they didn't play their best and they still found ways to win. They never looked like this, though. They never looked, and they've looked like this now for multiple weeks, where they don't seem to have any idea of what they want to do, who they want to be, and what they're supposed to do.
5: I don't know how you can say, let's be grateful and look at the, the bright side of things. This is just... His that point s- makes some sense. Sorry to cut
2: you no, off, but like, this is an 11-win team in number. But come on. You're saying history says we should be 6-11? No, 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 it doesn't. Like... You're, he's suggesting the Super Bowl hangover. Teams go to the Super Bowl, and then they kind of have terrible seasons. That happens, but not, that's not a given. all the time. Kansas City went to the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl, and guess what? Look, last year, this year you're probably not putting Kansas City as a favorite, but that's because they've been to the Super Bowl four or five times. They haven't just vanished away. So it's not a fait accompli that you go to the Super Bowl and then just vanish away this T111 games and you're right we should be grateful for what the problem is what should we be grateful for I, I i don't know what what he would how he would answer
5: that yeah exactly i'm not expecting you to but it's just come on i'm not i'm not trying to be negative just to be negative there is legit problems this is a historic stretch of games
2: yeah i would say to to, to that uh, text message rich you know we appreciate it and thanks for the con- comments by yeah the way. happy
5: new year to you as well you
2: this is the conversation of if the losses were sprinkled out and you were 11 and 6 would you feel differently Yeah of course like if they lost earlier this year to Buffalo and then they lost a game to like Tampa but they beat Seattle and they won a game against I don't know who I mean they beat Arizona
5: Yeah but Mike you're taking out the context It's frustrating and it's bad because of these losses happening one after another it, consecutively you're basically saying, "Hey, you know that movie we went and saw? What if we saw a different one?" <laughs> like that's how I interpret, you know, spreading the losses out. Yeah, that's but well,
2: that's but the fact of the matter is, it's not only where the losses occurred; it's who they occurred against and how. You played in three inferior, quote unquote, opponents. They didn't make the playoffs. Seattle didn't make the playoffs. Arizona didn't make the playoffs, and the Giants didn't make the playoffs. And you lost to all three of those teams. Now Seattle on the road, fine. You lost that game. You should have won that game. And at the end of the game, you you, you, you fell apart. Mm-hmm. That okay. That happens throughout the course of the year. Yeah, uh, it's like the Jet game. Yeah, you had a bad day. You had awful turnovers. He has that. You really should have won that game. He throws that horrible interception at the end of the game. That happened so long ago that it's like ah, it's just a, a loss throughout the eighteen weeks. The Seattle one, I can see, I mean, ah, it's just a loss throughout the 18 weeks. You should have won that game. But you. But then the loss to Arizona at home in a meaningful game. You just need to win that game. You just win that game, and you're going to win the division. And you can't find a way to close Arizona out when you're up two scores at halftime. 21-6 to six at halftime. You lose that game when you know you had to win it. And then the final week of the year. When everybody's looking at you, everybody's questioning you, everybody knows what's going on with this team, what's going on with this team. A.J. Brown comes out. We're right there. We're right there. Finally, my lot. Oh, the vibes are good. It feels like we're going in the right direction. All of this stuff is happening. And you're down 24 to nothing against a giant team that stinks on ice. They absolutely stink. And they absolutely outclassed you. That's why, Rich, it's not clickbait. It is fact, unfathomable that this is the discussion on a Monday in which you're getting ready for
5: a playoff opponent. It's unbelievable. I couldn't come on to this show today and be positive. We would sound like we were living in another planet. This is the only way to be because this
6: is the reality. This is the, the magnitude of the situation. If they started off, let's say, like, Two and eight. Yeah, I'd be very, you know, obviously they'd never be in this position 11 and six, but you get my point. If they started off awful, I'd be very grateful that they even made the playoffs. They started off 10 and one. Am I supposed to be grateful that every ounce of talent has seemingly just disappeared from this team? You could make an argument that if this team was one of those teams like um, uh,
2: Houston, they got in on the last day. They're 9-8, and eight, but they got in. and You would be more excited about that playoff run than what you have right a now. A great example 100%. is Los
6: Angeles. They started off poor to start the year. No Cooper Cup for four weeks. They were fighting for their entire season, and they clinch a playoff berth on the second-to-last week of the year. If you were one of those teams that were battling late in the
2: year and somehow found your way in, Pittsburgh – I bet you Pittsburgh fans right now, they're like, we didn't think we were getting it, now we're in, let's go. You're excited if you're a Pittsburgh fan, even though they might not go to the Super Bowl and you might not think. You're excited about the fact that the last week of the year, you got this win, and now you're in, and it's house money. You don't feel that way with an 11-win team. No No way. No, you don't right
6: now. How about the Browns
5: think they can win the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco? Right? There's excitement up there with Joe Flacco.
6: Jordan Love, a youngster leading his team to the playoffs after the Aaron Rodgers era team. I bet you Green Bay, the fact that they got in on the last
2: day and they have a young quarterback, they feel like, yeah, we're in the playoffs. This is great.
6: And they're excited about it. Here? <laughs> if no. they started like those teams, like I said, we'd feel great right now. But they didn't. They had the world in the palm of their hands. Well, and they blew. a
2: lot of this, too, I don't know how much is tied to the expectations
5: based on you went to the Super Bowl last year. That's nah, unfair. I think that's unfair because, once again, it's how this has all transpired. It's not like, ah, oh, they slipped up a little bit. They, But that's the problem is you went to the Super Bowl unexpectedly last year. I mean, let's be
2: honest. Nobody thought that team was going to the Super Bowl last year. Well, we didn't know what Jalen Hurts was going to become. And he but not was- only did you go to the Super Bowl, Rye, you won 15 games or right. 14 games, and then you won two playoff games. Oh, they skipped to the Super Bowl. So that season came out of nowhere. And then you come into this year and you're 10 and 1. So it's like we went to the Super Bowl last year and now we're 10 and 1. We're doing it again. Go back to that mm-hmm. guy's point. A lot of times you go to the Super Bowl and you have a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover. You might be, say, you know, at that point you might be 6 and 5 or 7 and 4. Not
5: 10 and 1. Yeah, exactly. But that just speaks to how this team has unraveled at the seams. Unbelievable.
2: 609 403 0973. More text messages are coming across the board. Pretty hot and heavy today. Keep them coming. Are you completely out on this team? I mean, literally, are you completely out? Like if I said, I got you tickets to an event Monday night. You going to Tampa? Are you taking the tickets to go see this event? Or are you
6: like, nah, man, the Eagles game's off? Uh, I see what you're saying. I'll watch paint dry. Over the Eagles game. Speaking of paint, I'm, yeah. I'm all out of my confidence on them. I'll be putting my clown makeup on before I watch at 7.59 p.m. on Monday. That's for you, you sure. You had a five confidence level. Yeah. That, that was mean, higher than all of us.
5: Yeah, it's basically a 10 with this team.
6: <laughs>
7: all right,
2: sports pass coming up. where text messages are coming across. 609 403 Super wild card weekend set. Week 18's in a book. Casey Joyner tonight at 5. Football at 4 in 14 minutes. It's this.
1: Mike Gill. Do I
6: have everybody's attention now?
1: On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app.
2: Live 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Mike and Ryan, we're live at the Gallery Bar Book and Games here at Ocean Casino. Where tonight, you've got uh, the National Championship game. Michigan and Washington. Holy moly. We've got a lot of text messages. We're going to continue with 609
5: 403
2: You ready? Let's do it. All right. Strap in. Mike Marmora, call it a conspiracy if you want, but something's amiss with this team. Beyond just the obvious optics of poor play, the players look dejected and uninspired. I firmly believe there's something more to this. Something happened in the locker room or amongst the team to have such a drastic change. Did Sirianni offend the guys. Did a player step on another player's toes? They won't talk about it. Professionals and future Hall of Fame players just don't sink to this ineptitude because of scheme or play calling. They aren't playing for each other anymore. That's Mike and Marmora. I mean, it's well said. I, I would agree. Like, if you were to say, what happened? Pinpoint something. Yeah, I got to say that decide decision on the defensive side of the ball, it only makes sense that some people might have said, I support this decision. And other people had to say, dude, this guy got screwed.
5: Yeah. But why did they make that decision? Fair or foul, they made it because the ship was already starting to sink. right? So I don't know. Maybe that is the the moment on the timeline. I'm just saying if I can pinpoint anything,
2: like we've been trying to find what happened, when did it happen, when did this occur, how did it get here? Yeah. That was the Seattle game. They made the decision before the Seattle game. And, yeah, they lost to the San Francisco 49ers. They lost to the Cowboys. And guess what? You're going to lose to good teams, and you might get beat pretty good in that week, and you move on from that. But you still beat Seattle. You still beat Arizona, and you beat the Giants. And then at least you're still wondering, hey, did you just have a bad week, or is that team just that much better than us? But now you're just saying you can't beat Seattle. You can't beat Arizona. You can't beat the Giants. Something has to be a factor as to how that happened.
5: And it it felt like, from everything that was being reported, everyone really liked Sean Desai. So he seemed to be a locker room guy, and then you bring in this stiff Matt Patricia to be the leader. It it could be it, but then I would just follow it up with, well, what about the offense?
2: Well, the offense has had its issues all season long, Rye, but they still have top ten in the league in scoring. As much as they should be better,
5: their defense is... uh, I've never seen anything like it. It's a defense that really doesn't play much defense. It's, it's a bold strategy. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I got a strategy. We're yeah. just going to let you score so we can
2: get our offense back on the field. <laughs> yeah,
5: Let's not really act like a defense. Maybe that will throw them off.
2: Unbelievable. Uh Coming up, it's football at four. Jeff Mosher will give us his expository on what he thinks is going on with this Eagles team. And we will try to make sense of it all. From now to the end of the show, you guys out there continue to send us those text messages at 609-403-0973. We have read off a bunch of them. I don't know that any of them made me feel any better. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. <laughs> Football at 4 next.
1: Jersey. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios Here's Mike Gill.
2: All right. I was waiting for the music that never came. Four o'clock here on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Uh, Football at four.
10: (laughs) It's like the Eagles defense. (laughs) Gee.
2: I got uh, Sean Desai and Matt Patricia on my side in this game, it feels like. (laughs) Football at four brought to you by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. I feel naked. I was like, no (laughs) music, nothing. I was like... Uh Am I getting anything here? Is, I don't even have a voice in my ear telling me, yeah. like, go
5: ahead. I think this is how the Eagles defense feels. Yeah. Well, know?
2: now the music's unnecessary. Lost. Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, all right, Mosher, sorry about that. I apologize. We're on remote today. How are you, buddy?
3: I'm just mad you guys beat me to the joke because as soon as you said uh, you were waiting for something that never came, I was... We're ready to dive in and, and just go full on Eagles jokes with
2: you guys? Yeah, I, I yeah, we were the Eagles defense. We're standing out here. Our coordinator back there basically gave us a terrible game plan, and we didn't execute it very well. It's
5: like son Reddick dropping into coverage.
2: Oh man. Um, oh boy. Yeah. So let me start with, in your mind, oh, where God. has this all started?
3: Oh man. Where, when you say where has this, I, like we, what we're clearly talking about is the funk that the Eagles are currently in where it seems like they can't do anything right. Because is that, is that, we can really kind of, if we want to peel back all the layers of the onion, we can talk about the first 10 games of being 10 and 1, but all those sort of opportunities that opponents didn't capitalize on that was gift wrap for them that, that made us realize that, remember, when the Eagles were 10 and 1, they had the lowest margin of victory, combined margin of victory of any team at that point that had double-digit wins. They're only like a plus 43 through 11 games, which means on average you're only outscoring your opponent by about four to five points, right? So there were a lot of close games that they won, but we all looked at that as resolve, resiliency, no Super Bowl hangover, mental toughness. And somewhere along that line, if you really want, I think the 49ers game kind of broke them, Um they clearly realized, like we all did that day, guys, that they were not on the same level as the 49ers. And the mistakes that they were able to overcome were not going to be able to be replicated against a team like the 49ers. And then the next week when they lost right to Dallas in a similar fashion, not as bad, but where they were just outclassed, is when you started to realize that this team was a flawed team. It wasn't an elite They were starting to come back to earth. And then I would say that that is sort of where organizationally the panic button started to get pushed. That forced them to want to look at their defensive play baller, change that. And since that point, obviously, it's been downhill to the point now where even the offense, which we talked about throughout the year as not being great, has really been also impacted and is not um, progressing. In fact, is regressing as well. Right,
2: so they lose the game to San Francisco, they lose the game to Dallas, and now doubt starts to creep into their mind. They get um, this idea to change the play caller, that that might save the season. Do you think that there there became a divide for people that said, what are you doing to decide here? This isn't fair. And do you think that's a possibility of why we're seeing what we're seeing defensively?
3: That's possible. You'd almost have to ask individuals. You know, I know Clay Harbour... Um, who was on the 2012 team that observed the firing of Juan Castillo and the switching place in Todd Bowles. He recalled on our platform sort of a division, not guys being fractured, like fighting each other, but sort of just internally not understanding, like, who they're supposed to be, whose quote-unquote side they're supposed to be on or if they're supposed to acclimate to a different defense than the one they were just playing. Um, I do think we should also look at, the play calling change that happened before the Seattle game. But things I've heard are that they were already making different changes on defense as far as who was in charge of what down and how the defense was being run structurally, even prior to that. So um, um, I think that, again, the panic button gets pushed from the top and any message that you send from the top is going to trickle down to the bottom. It's very rare the front office and the coach. This isn't like Major League, the movie, where the owner wants the team to lose, and then the, the coach and the team are like, well, screw you, we're going to go with right? What happens at the top trickles down. And when you see the panic button getting pushed, and there were players, by the way, who were, as we know, were concerned about things going on under Sean decide defensively, and it started just to talk about how they saw uh, things. But as soon as you start to change play callers and then implement a play caller who runs a scheme that is not a whole lot like the scheme you were running or trying to mesh two different schemes in one, as we're seeing now, um, that's when organizationally you start to lose your finger on the pulse and you start to lose your players, not necessarily their confidence, but their ability to play and react the way they know because they're not really understanding of the assignments they're being asked to carry out, and it's not something they've been working on and drilled in since training camp.
5: Mosh, is there, I know there's a chance, but I'll phrase it this way. Is there any chance that it was not Nick Sirianni's decision to go to Matt Patricia? Because that's a a key moment in the timeline, obviously, and we've debated this all day. Like, if Nick Sirianni actually made that decision personally, I don't know how the heck you bring him back, regardless if you win this game on Monday.
3: It's not my understanding, Ryan. You know, and and my understanding is, is that, he was definitely concerned about how the defense was going through the first 11 weeks, especially after what we saw, uh, even in, I guess, you know, you start with the win against Dallas where things were, didn't look so good. Um, and then you go into the loss to the 49ers, the loss to Dallas. And like I said, there, there were some changes going on, not necessarily in play caller, but in who's in charge of what and structure and, and, and position rooms and things, as I understand it, that were going on. So, Um, that doesn't – I don't – again, as far as I I understand, Nick Sirianni was on board with these things. If if I hear differently, I'd report differently. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa.
2: Hold on real quick, just to be clear. On board or it was his
3: decision? You know, like, it's hard because, again, everybody meets so much in that building and collaboratively, so I don't know who's the guy in the meeting that says, hey, how about this idea? I just know that there was concern that we're going – For weeks, So in these meetings, I I, I have no idea who's the one who said, all right, why don't we try this? Right, because Sirianni made it like it was his idea.
2: Sirianni made it like it was his idea. He went to them and they said, well, if you feel like that's what you got to do.
3: Yeah, and that's possible. It's possible. You know, I mean, listen, I I do know Howie Roseman was also concerned about the state of the defense prior to the play calling. So so if I'm just putting together from what I hear, it sounds like these two guys were really – you know, not thrilled with yeah. the product they were seeing and thought that they, some kind of change needed to be made and then a real significant one after that needed to be made.
2: Well, and and I, I only, and I don't want to cut you off, right, but I said before, you know me, I'm not much of a hot taker or, uh, you know, I'm not a very irrational guy, but if Nick Sirianni legitimately said, well, this is what we need to do, and they said, all right, if that's what you think, and this is the result, to me, mm-hmm. then that's a fireable offense. If they made him do this, all right, maybe that gets him off the hook a little bit. But if this is his decision and this is the result, hey, we gave you a big decision. We endorsed it, and this was the result. Uh, you might have gone down a, a – you might have gone down a, a – A dark path. A, yeah, a, a path that you didn't want to go down. But we'll let, we'll sign off on this. But if this doesn't work, it's your ass on the line. And guess what? If it was his decision and this is the result, his ass should be on the line.
3: Well, you know, that you, fireable offense is a very like it's it's sort of an open ended right label. Um, you can make an argument that if you're the head of the organization, whether you're the owner or the president, and you say I agree with this move, um, then then maybe the, the GM should bear responsibility for it too, because ultimately the GM would have the final say in that kind of move and say no, we got to stick. This is a process. You hired this guy for a reason. You got to see it through thick and thin. And that didn't happen either. Um, you know, I made this point on the post-game show and podcast this morning. Uh, I understand that when players' voice concerns, it makes you feel like that there is something that you have to do because you need to have the players bought in. But I think if I were in that situation, I would say to the players, if they were concerned, and by the way, I never heard that any player disliked Sean Desai. It wasn't a personal thing. I just think it was about the structure of the defense in certain, the way I heard about it, just, just some of the things they were doing. Um but I would have to explain to the players, look, you don't like it, but here's the alternative. We can't just hire some guy off the street to call this defense. The guy that we have in-house, he's, he's been a defensive coordinator before and had success, but not in this scheme. So if I am going to make a change and put a different play caller in place, you may not get the results you think you're going to get, and you have to understand that there is going to be a byproduct and an unintended consequences to that, too. Like, somebody has to have the vision in the room, which I think is almost common sense to say, if we put Matt Patricia in charge of this defense that he has not coached before with personnel that he's not used to, you might actually see less results, and you might actually take a step back. You might take a step forward. I don't know, but there's enough evidence to suggest you could take a step back. I think that that may be voice of reason, Might have been lacking, you know, as we look at it now in retrospect, which is easy to do. But I just don't understand how they expected that to work out. And I don't understand over the last two games how you're using guys like Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick, like three, four outside linebackers, rush and cover guys, where those guys are 95% rush guys. And occasionally you drop them back into coverage when you're zone pitching, but not the way they've been used over the last few weeks. Mo,
5: should we fear that Jalen Hurts is potentially a bigger part of these issues than maybe we assume him to be, right? Like, for me, it's Nick Sirianni, it's Brian Johnson, lack of creativity, lack of game plan, scheme. Same goes for defense, as we've been discussing. But, you know, Jalen Hurts, injuries aside, should we fear that maybe he's not the MVP we thought he was last year?
3: Uh, Well... All right, so there are plenty of times this year, Ryan, in wins where Adam and I or Adam, Greg Cosell, Avon, anybody on our platform would say, hey, you know what, they won this game, but you're starting to see some elements from Jalen Hurts' game that you didn't see last year, whether it was bailing the pocket or not keeping his eyes upfield or sensing pressure when it wasn't there, not seeing open people. It wasn't so egregious that he had a horrible, horrible game, but we were seeing it. So I'm going to in this moment, in a very bad loss, I'm going to use that opportunity to say, I don't think Jalen Hurts was the number one offensive issue. I mean, I have to wait to see the All-22 come out, but the naked eye showed you that they almost looked like they were totally unprepared for a a blitzing defense that everybody in the world, including them, knows is going to be a blitzing defense. I I did not see a whole lot of routes that I thought on third down especially or when the rush was coming that were designed to help Jalen get rid of the ball quickly. It just seemed like the defense was right up on him immediately every time they blitzed. And to me, that's, that's a play design and play calling issue more than a quarterback issue. I'm sure I'll find plays where maybe Jalen could have done this, that and the other when I watched you all play too, But I really feel like this last game and even Arizona, I thought he played fairly well and just didn't have the ball a whole lot. I just don't see that as a Jalen Hurts problem. But moving forward, Ryan, to your point, you know, 28, 27, 26 franchises are are sort of in this boat where you've got to build a scheme around your quarterback because you don't have Patrick Mahomes, you don't have Joe Burrow, and, and maybe the elite stops right there because everybody else seems to have to always, even Josh Allen, right? The Bills have to work around his turnover issues. They always have to, to fight um, what Josh Allen might do in a moment, like last night, he almost gave the game away. So unless you've got Mahomes or unless you've got Burrow who are just seemingly on top of their game week after week, even though Mahomes has had a great year, I think you, you know, they go in that boat where the offense that they run is run that way for a specific reason. They feel like it's the offense that Jalen Hurts will function best in. If they try to run a different offense, and again, I'm giving you their mindset not mine, um, if they try to do things differently and maybe quote-unquote more conventionally, more conventional West Coast, less RPOs, right, they probably don't feel like Hurts is going to function best in that type of offense. Jeff, and that's probably why they haven't changed it a whole lot.
2: Jeff Mosher, Inside the Birds podcast, Football at Four. But haven't they i mean jalen hurts isn't the same player this isn't the same offense he's not i mean his running numbers are way down um, that's a big component it's, it's of not why it's the same
3: offense but it's the same offensive structure it's the same 2 by 2s the same we're going to have you know we, we line the guys up almost in the same spot you're right the zone element not as much a part of it i agree uh, i don't think i think we would all agree that the offense had to evolve from that anyway but they don't use a whole lot of motion they don't Switch up a ton their formations that they have had success with. They a lot of times win because they have elite playmakers, not because they've schemed guys to be wide open like a Kyle Shanahan or a Ben Johnson. So that's where I say, you know, there's a reason why we're looking at that screen that Marcus Mariota threw was almost It almost seemed like the Giants knew it was coming, right? Yeah. They've run that screen a thousand times. Like they can't make those screens work.
2: Um, In your mind, you know, last year you had Sirianni as the head coach, and then you had Shane Steichen running the offense uh, and John Gannon running the defense. How uh, – do, do we underestimate how much of a role those guys had and that the guys they have in now are just underqualified for the positions, the guys that whoever brought in, Roseman, Laurie, Siriani, that they brought in guys that were just simply not qualified and that that is showing?
3: I, I You know, I think that's the sort of time will tell answer. I, let, let's take it apart, offense and defense. I don't think it's fair to compare Sean Desai and or Matt Patricia to what Jonathan Gannon did or had because, as, as we pointed out many times in the offseason, Sean Desai did not inherit the same defense. Right there's no Javon Hargrave, there's no Chauncey Gardner Johnson, there's no T.J. Edwards, there's no Marcus Epps, there's no Kaiser White, and the people that replace those guys um, are just not the same. And on many, especially at linebacker and safety, they are clearly a slower, less athletic, less less dynamic back end. I don't even think that that's arguable. I mean, how many times do the Eagles give up like a a third and five hitch for five or six yards? You know, nothing that really complex, just Bam, just because they don't have great athletes in the back seven right now. So, to me, you can go back to the offseason and how you filled that hole. Sean Design never had what Jonathan Gannon had to work with. Now, on offense, it's different different situation. This should be one of the most prolific offenses in, in the sport just based on talent alone, from offensive line to weaponry, you know, tight end, wide receivers. So there you make a much better argument. I, I, I would say anybody would make a much better argument that Shane Stankin had the magic touch uh, to where Brian Johnson doesn't. But I still think that there is a bigger issue if Jeff Stoutlin, Kevin Petullo, and Nick Sirianni, and Brian Johnson was there last year, if this offense has sunk to where it has sunk, and four of the five guys are back, that to me speaks to the offensive concept as a whole being stale and not evolving, more than just saying Brian Johnson, sucks and, and Shane Steichen's great.
5: Do you believe in the current game plan and scheme right now that the Eagles are running? Nick Sirianni was asked today, do you plan on making any changes going into Tampa? He said no. I, I mean, okay. I mean, I, I guess I'm the idiot here. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like how do you not elaborate on that on that question, and give a different answer, right? I, like, do you have any confidence yeah. in what this team has been doing? I, I don't know
3: how you could. I honestly, yeah. I've, I've tried. I have picked the Eagles to win in each of the last four weeks, thinking that they will figure it out. They are. Uh, they have been a well-coached team for the better part of two and a half years. They have really good talent on offense. Um, you know, they don't have great talent on defense, and I don't. I, I do not expect them to figure that part out. Right? I have zero. 0.0% confidence that they can figure out the defense. Now, that doesn't mean it can't be Tampa. Tampa stinks. Um, but I, I have zero confidence that they can do anything more than get past Tampa because of what they have done to themselves defensively. Uh, and by the way, Nick Sirianni said he wasn't making any changes at play caller the week before we found out that Sean Desai got demoted. So, you've got to take what he says with a grain of salt anyway. But I, I, I want to have confidence that the offensive brain trust is going to look at itself in the mirror and say, we've got to make changes in what we're doing. But I've said that for a couple weeks now, Ryan and Mike, and I have not seen anything that I would say is a major drastic change. So, no, my answer is no, I'm not very confident.
2: In your mind, Jeff Mosher, do the Eagles enter this week having, if they go one and done, having to evaluate their coaching situation?
3: Well, I definitely think they already have to evaluate coaching when you talk about position coaches, coordinators, you know I'm not like fire the head coach because I do believe in giving a guy. If a guy wins that much and goes through a rut, you got to give him a chance. As long as you share the same vision as him, to uh, to to rectify it. And clearly, they have personnel issues that they'll have to address the offense on in the off-season on defense. But if they go and lose like 31 to nothing. To the Tampa Bay Bucks, which sounds ridiculous, but they were down twenty-four 0 to the Giants, right? Um, if they get emasculated and humiliated by the Bucks and show absolutely no improvement, then I do think Jeffrey Lurie, Hallie Roseman, and Nick Sirianni have to have a discussion, and the discussion has to be: Why did you? What, what was your vision for rectifying the wrongs at the end of the year? And if if Nick Sirianni said, "Well, we just we're going to," practice harder or tighten it up and then maybe you really then you have that vision problem that that Jeffrey Lurie alluded to with Doug Peterson when he fired Doug Peterson and you might have to make a change but man that just invites a whole lot of questions about everybody's acumen in that building from the owners to the GM to the coaching to how they vet coaches how they hire how they fire and all of that involved but I feel like we've had that conversation before anyway.
8: Well,
2: it's and it's interesting you say this as we wrap up with Jeff Mosher for Football at Four. Is you know this is a team that yeah they've had a bad season here or there or what we deem to be a bad season. This team won eleven games. They went to the Super Bowl last year, and yet it feels like a team that is five and fourteen or five and what the math would be twelve uh, with five and twelve with this uh, seventeen game. You know what I'm saying? Like it it, it feels like. Uh, real quick before we roll, did you hear Goddard's yeah. comment? I did, I did. About about the fact that they kind of, ah, we made the playoffs. Once we clinched, ah, we're just,
3: I mean. i got to say, though, I I feel like, you know, having been in this situation for almost 20 years when you're in the locker room after tough losses and losing streaks, guys guys don't know. Like, they literally can't tell you right now why they're this bad. They may have, like, some theories on play calls and things like that, but nobody to a man in that locker room believes that they're a terrible team that, would lose five out of every six game they played. So when that happens, I often find that you hear guys sort of thinking out loud and grasping at straws. And it sounded to me like he's spitballing, like he's like, I don't know, we clinched and we thought we had it wrapped up, right? And I, I don't, I don't really believe that in the last three weeks, in their minds, they were like, ah, eh, screw the Cardinals, ah, eh, screw the Giants, we're in the playoffs. I mean, there's just no way after you lost back-to-back games against the Niners and against. The Cowboys, that you went into that last leg of the year thinking you were on great terms. Of course you knew you had to get better to beat those teams, right? So I just don't believe that they, nonch- maybe they if they did do this stuff nonchalantly, I think it might have been subconscious. And Maybe that's what Goddard was saying. Like, they didn't realize it, but they were sleepwalking when they needed the words even harder. That, that's how I feel like it came out of his mouth.
2: All right, Jeff Mosher, Football at Four. Listen to the podcast, of course, of Inside the Birds. They've got plenty more on uh, what is, you know, you're going into the playoffs. This is supposed to be a time of kind of like a rebirth and, hey, let's go. Let's get ready for this run. And it feels like a team that uh, is getting ready for the offseason. But Football at Four will have you covered the rest of the week here leading up to. Jeff Mosher back here on Monday for Eagles. And the Bucks, and we are live at the gallery bar booking games. And he was kind enough to join us here on the Sports Bats Live on 97.3 ESPN. Thanks, Moshe.
3: We got it, guys. Take care.
2: All right. Mosher uh, is back on Wednesday. We'll have news, I guess, on A.J. Brown and some of the other stuff maybe by then. Uh, you know, the Eagles, they like to kind of play coy with all this stuff.
5: Yeah. They're not going to give us anything all week.
2: We all know that. Uh, Football in Ford is brought to you by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary. At Bet365, we got Sound of the Day coming up. We've got Casey Joyner. One thought every game, and we'll get his thoughts on what he saw on tape from this Eagles defense. And I would imagine he would say, is this fixable? The answer would be no. (laughs) No. With what I saw on tape? Yeah. Not fixable. No. Not fixable. I mean, there's not a lot of times you watch the game and then you watch back. And I'm like, okay, they had a bad week or...
5: What they're doing right now is unrecognizable. Yeah, it's, it's playground ball. It's, let's go out back and just throw the
2: pigskin. We're live at the ocean gallery bar booking games, but don't forget to make ocean something. You know, the winter time is here. A lot of times we're like, what should we do? Get out and check out something here at the ocean. Nola, villain and saints, some of the great restaurants here, or even stop here at the gallery bar booking games to watch. The NFL playoffs, which start Saturday with a doubleheader. And you can listen to those games on 97.3 ESPN. And by the way, the Saturday night game is a peacock only game. You have to have peacock to watch. Can you believe this? An NFL playoff game, you have to have peacock to watch the game. I'll, I'll be here at the gallery. we got sound of the day coming up next. Don't go away. More sports bash on 97.3 ESPN.
0: We have the.
1: traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Hi,
2: 434 Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the free mobile app. We got the uh, Super Wild Card Weekend this weekend. Listen to it all on 97.3 ESPN. We've got Two games Saturday, Browns, Texans at four, followed by the Dolphins and Chiefs in the eight o'clock game. Sunday, a triple header. It's Steelers and Bills this is the one o'clock game, followed by Packers, Cowboys, Rams, Lions. That's your nightcap. And then Eagles and Buccaneers are on Monday. And you can listen to all of the wild card round games on 97 3. ESPN and uh, yeah, I mean you got some interesting matchups. I mean, but this this playoff has lost its luster for me.
5: <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you're you're not alone in that sentiment. I, I think the the matchups are great though. Like, there's a ton of storylines, and it might be as wide open as it's ever been. Yeah, I think the other games are
2: great. <laughs> well, well, yeah, for all, us it stinks. I mean, you've got. Um, I mean, every game, like, has some – some. you got the Browns-Texas. I thought that should have been the Peacock game.
5: Yeah, it makes – it definitely checks out. Right? That's
2: the – the Browns – well, here's the problem. The 4 o'clock Saturday wild card game has always been the one that's, like, the least attractive game. Right. But this year you have the Peacock game. So, in my mind, I thought you would have put the worst game on Peacock.
5: Well, no, you you make that deal with Peacock. You're going to put the most attractive one, right? I mean, you've how much to, did you make? I from think that?
2: you've got to kind of ease into the Peacock. <laughs> you can't give me your highest profile game and put it on a platform
6: that, quite frankly, not a lot of people have. I think that's exactly why they're doing it, though. Right? Like they want people to tune in
7: and get I some get sort the, of listen. I get from the
2: premise. It. They want people to sign up for it. But you don't put your best game. I mean, other than the Cowboys, the Chiefs are the most viewed team in football. Right. So you're saying we're going to put that team on Peacock. I think that's a disservice to your fans. But I understand that Peacock is probably fighting and say, hey, we're paying you a lot of money. We want a good game on there.
5: People are still going to watch. Right? Like, I'm numbers are not right, going to go I'm down. I'm telling
2: you right now, I am not getting Peacock to watch that game. But you're going to watch the game. I'll have to
6: figure out how.
5: Uh, it's not that difficult.
6: Plenty of yeah. sites you can try and finesse your right. way into I the mean, game. You're going yes, to be sir. watching. There is. I can give you a few off the air. I don't want to uh, All right. disclose my secrets. I don't. Oh, well, I don't, I don't, going I don't know
2: these. I don't know these dark web things. I mean, I just was. I just was pretty much like. I mean, do bars have the game? Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, bars have the game. Come on, you'd be pretty stupid to be a like a sports bar oh, do and not I, well, have the game. I don't I, know. Do they have Peacock, or do they? Can they get it by not having Peacock?
9: Most smart bars have the capability of doing the Switch.
6: Well, it's six bucks. So, like, bringing a bunch of people to watch the game for six bucks, that's your trade off? I think they'd do it. Whereas us, we're sitting at home. You don't want to, you know, spend six bucks with all the streaming services you already have. Is it the same
2: for. It's not the six dollars, by the way. It's the, I don't want Peacock, and then I have to remember to get rid yeah. of the Peacock. And, you know, to yeah. me, it's like, it's not that
6: important. To it's me. just more annoying than it is the money part of it. Yeah. Like I said
2: yesterday. It was week 18. See what you guys think. If I was YouTube TV with NFL Red Zone, and now I'm not a Red Zone guy. Mm. I never watch Red Zone. But yesterday, I would have given Red Zone a chance if it was free. So I would have given a free preview yesterday of week 18, try huh. out Red Zone. And if you like it, I might say, you know what? This is a lot different than I remember.
5: I'm going to get it next year. But Red Zone and their numbers are not down. <laughs>
9: no, <laughs> so not I agree. Give a
5: week away. That's
9: that's the point Ryan just brought up because there was a there was a wall, wall Street Journal article over the weekend that explained that all streaming service subscriptions are down across the board.
2: Well, I read a report that basically suggested that like Peacock, Paramount, uh, Max, like they're all going to have to combine. Like st- the streaming thing is coming to like an end here, where we're banging our heads against the wall. Someone's going to have to blink and say, "All right, yeah, well, our streaming is not." justifiable. Right.
9: Well that's why for example there's the the theory out there that Apple TV is going to try to buy out Disney and that they can basically combine Disney Plus, Hulu and Apple TV in the one.
2: Yeah, they're talking about Warner Brothers Discovery, which is the old Turner like TNT and TBS combining with what? Paramount
9: Paramount Plus, yes. It would be Max and Paramount Plus would merge.
2: Right. So everybody's realizing, look, we don't have enough streamers to justify keeping this. The only people that are really doing it is Netflix, Prime, and Apple TV, I guess. But even those guys are
9: losing subscribers. That's that's the big caveat here. It's the fact that all these tiers they create all these tiers now where it's like okay. the add tier, the free, no commercial tier. It's like
5: college football. Basically streaming is becoming college football. <laughs> They're just merging.
2: Yeah. You know, it's gonna be like the well, power two. And oddly enough, Peacock has a college football content. like they have the big ten basketball, and there's been a lot of people complaining. Right. Like Purdue was number one and they played, I think Indiana who was number three. Yeah. And the game was it's on Peacock. Peacock. Yeah. Um here's a question for you guys then. If the Eagles were the Peacock game,
5: would you subscribe to watch that game? Yeah, we're not – no one's not watching an Eagles playoff game, right? Let's be real. Well, are you that – okay,
2: Danny would be someone. I, I would think that, okay, you're, but Danny might be the kind of kid that's like, I'm not wasting my
6: time, because he's made that excuse before. You're, I'm not wasting it, my well, time. It, you think was, Danny
5: wouldn't watch the Eagles
2: in he the playoffs? said it before. He's like, I'm not wasting my
6: time. Wow. With that well, first game. off, oh. first off, I wasn't going to waste my time on the Eagles-Giants Christmas Day game, which yeah. I still caught some parts of, because I he had, watch. had other things to do. He watch. was his time. Right. He had better things to do. <laughs> well, Christmas Day, I was a busy guy that day. I caught some of it, and I caught enough to be embarrassed by my fandom of that team, but if we're Talking an Eagles playoff game, yeah, six bucks. If it was like fifteen, I, <laughs> I might be going to a bar and spending the fifteen on some drinks and getting that that game for free. But six bucks, I can cancel it right away. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll pay the six bucks, right. But, but I'm going everyone. in and canceling it right away. Like some of these streaming platforms think they're hooking you in, you're going to forget about the subscription. Now I'm logging in immediately and canceling it because <laughs> you you still get the month regardless of whether you cancel now Can, or cancel in a know. month.
5: I think they're tightening things up behind the scenes. Man. Well, I don't know, I, know if you. Well, that, I don't know. Well, that's a that's
9: <laughs> an article I actually wrote about a month ago at 97.3 ESPN, kind of about how the streaming services are cutting down on people being able to use the addresses, even in New Jersey's top five in the country at sharing passwords.
2: Now, I have um, you. I have a YouTube TV, and I have Prime, and I have Netflix. Okay, None, and I have Apple Plus because you got a lot. Well, I have Apple Plus because of my phone service. All right, it came with my Verizon. Weird, and you don't have an Apple. No, but everybody. I'm the only person in the house that doesn't have an iPhone. Okay, every every
9: phone service now has like an added in. Like mine, yeah. mine is Hulu.
2: Yeah, but yeah. I have never even launched the Apple Plus.
5: <laughs> it's never right. been launched. No, it's waiting I, for takeoff. No, but that's the thing. It's like <laughs> I don't want Peacock. I used to have Peacock because I have Comcast. I mean, don't we sound ridiculous complaining about this? Though it's not that difficult, right? Like if you don't have Peacock out there, and I know we're included in this, how hard is it going to be to get the game? Well, the old argument. I don't know. Used to I, that's be, what I'm saying. I don't. Not know. Gonna be, it's not going to. I hard. don't know that answer. Well, okay.
2: Josh is making it like, yeah, the, the smart bars. Here's the problem. I've gone to a lot of bars, and they have, don't know what ends up. When you're like, hey, do you have the football game? Well, what right. channel is it on? It's on Peacock. Well, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, so I have no problem yeah. on a Saturday night if the Eagles aren't. I don't want to watch the Eagles generally out, but I'll watch this game out somewhere. Yeah. You're telling me I'll be able to go to the neighborhood bar, and they're going to figure
5: out how to do it? I mean, I would imagine, yeah. Here's a valid like, I question. I would imagine here,
2: a
6: gallery has Absol- it on. Absolutely. They know how
5: to do it. They have every channel that exists. Yeah. yeah,
6: Here's a valid question we might not be thinking of. A lot of these smart TVs are how you get Peacock or something like that. Now, I've had an experience where I had Hulu Live, and I signed into Hulu through my Xfinity browser, whatever you want to call it. I said, into the Xfinity remote, Hulu, and tried yeah. to bring up my live. They wouldn't give me live TV because I was already logged in on their cable account, right? So they're not going to let you have live TV on another streaming platform if you could get it on their guide on Xfinity. What if these bars don't have a smart TV and the same situation arises? You can't just pull up the app free willingly. What if they say, ah, you bought Xfinity, you're going to tune in live on our our account and you're not going to get... Peacock live Chiefs Dolphins. That could be a possibility as well.
5: You're asking a lot of good questions right now. I mean, yeah. I don't have the answer to this. Of course
9: uh, I'm just saying. Yeah,
5: yeah, no, it's a good point. I would imagine that they should have something set up where like like a boxing fight or UFC how it's a pay-per-view event. Yeah, a lot right? of these
9: not a lot, but the the good ones what they do is they have a, a separate, you know, HDMI plug in that's separate from the regular TV plug in and they just switch it over.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a Fire Stick or Roku yeah. Stick. Or whatever yeah, you whatever, you whatever
9: you it is. You know, I mean, everyone's different. Yeah, you know.
6: it's funny because this argument used to come up before with a lot of older gentlemen or women just simply simply complaining they have no idea how to get Peacock or Apple TV. or Well, whatever. remember,
9: Danny? You know, I don't know if you were here yet, but Mike and I used to have a conversation about when the Phillies games used to be on non-traditional yep. platforms, like. They would be on YouTube, and the one time they were on Facebook. And, like, it was like people would be, like, texting the show when the Mm -hmm. Phillies were on, and they'd be like, I can't get this game. Please give me a score, Mike.
2: Phillies, you're generally dealing with an older demographic. Yeah, they
5: still have antennas coming out of the TV. (laughs)
2: Um, This, it's not that. It's not, like, I don't know how, I I know how to get Peacock. I know how to do all that stuff. Um, I just am choosing not to.
6: All right. Fair enough.
2: And that doesn't, um... Now,
5: if the Eagles were playing, I probably would, I would imagine, have to do it. Yeah, you would have to do it. And I think it's actually a good point. I'm sure a lot of local establishments are not going to be able to figure out how to get the Chiefs. So Dolphins. It's Browns, Texans. I have, eh, in that game. I'm intrigued.
2: Dolphins, Chiefs. It's game of the weekend. Is it? I think so. And that's the game you're most interested in? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Pittsburgh, Buffalo. I mean, Pittsburgh does nothing for me, but
5: no, I think they can cover. I think it can be close. Green Bay, Dallas. McCarthy against his former team. Yeah.
2: I wouldn't be surprised if Green Bay wins. I was hoping for a Rams-Dallas game. Rams won that game. If the Rams would have lost that game against the Niners, they would have fell to seven, and Green Bay would have been six, and it would have been rams Dallas in the first round, and I think the Rams would have beat them.
9: It's all Carson Wentz's fault.
2: Yeah. And then Rams Lions. You got Stafford going back to Detroit for the first time. Think the Rams can the win that? got one? Goff playing against his former team. Yeah. Do I think the Rams can win that? Yeah, you know why? What? The Lions got banged up a little bit in that game the other day. Laporta, if he can't play, that's a big loss. And I think, uh, didn't their safety branch get hurt too?
5: think so i don't know if he's out for this one
9: i think bridge should be good to go laporte is the one that they're not sure if he's playing or not
5: so
2: some decent matchups and then of course philadelphia tampa bay yeah all right we'll uh come back on the other side 609-403-0973 more sports bash coming up live at the gallery bar booking games here at ocean casino in atlantic city
1: The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3
2: ESPN and the free mobile app. Alright, welcome back. Sports Bash live at the Gallery Bar Booking Games at Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City. Uh, Who gets the credit? It's brought to you by Jersey Shore Federal Credit Union. Make the switch and bank with your only community. Credit Union, Jersey Shore Federal Credit Union, offers some of the lowest loan rates around, including refinancing. Learn more at jerseyshore.com. FCU.org. Well, this is obviously isn't who's getting credit, who's getting the blame in this situation. <laughs> Once
5: again, it's Nick Sirianni.
2: I-, I don't know that I can come up with another one. Yeah. No. I said earlier, you-, you know, Danny asked the question. I think it's Nick Sirianni, and I don't think there's a number two. I'm, I'm fine with that. I agree. But and it's, it's not distant, too. I've never really complained about Sirianni before. I'm not a big blame-the-coach kind of guy, but in this instance here, football, the coach does have a big impact on things. I didn't think Sirianni was so poor at his job, and I'm not suggesting that he is, but I think it's becoming more clear that the assistants that he had, he had a good relationship with. These are the guys he handpicked and brought with him here when he got hired for the job surprisingly nobody had heard of Nick Sirianni nobody knew who he was and when he came here he got to pick guys he felt comfortable yeah. with well they had so much success as a trio that they got handpicked from him and I don't know the depth of his contacts in this league might be where his um, premature hire came into play here that he did not have enough contacts to get his staff poached I'll a- give
9: you guys a second person to blame All right. so I think it's the leaders in the locker room Kelsey, Graham, Cox whoever you want to throw in there, Lane Johnson the fact that this team now has multiple times not shown up on the field where's the leadership on this team guys? What do you want them to do though? Be I, professionals. Go out there and play a game at a professional level. Not be a bunch of lame ducks and then say after the game, Oh, we gotta do better. Well, of course you gotta do better. We all know that.
8: Fair or unfair on that one.
9: I, I
5: I get it, it's fair. Like leaders deserve responsibility and, yeah, and I, don't, blame. I don't think that one's out of bounds. It's not out of bounds. I just don't think that's a You pick. have you have a team.
2: Look, Fletcher Cox wasn't even active yesterday. Yeah. He got the chance to take the day off. <laughs> and I and I heard people suggesting after the game, I think it was J.J. Watt and Bill Cower, had an interesting conversation. Um, and J.J. Watt was saying, like, if you're one of the veterans at this stage of the season, you're kind of like, eh, how come I didn't get picked to take the day off? Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And I said, they should have just sat guys yesterday. So that this conversation would not have happened because we would have said ah you know they just took a step back they're getting ready for the playoffs instead you threw that product out in the field casey joiner
1: coming up this is the sports bash with mike gill on 97.3 espn and the 97.3 espn free mobile app now live from the matt blatt kia studios here's mike gill
2: (laughs) Final hour of the show, live at the gallery, bar book, and games here in Atlantic City at Ocean. Thanks to Ocean as always. Casey Joyner, one thought every game from The Athletic, set to join me to uh, discuss the this debacle that we saw yesterday in the last couple of weeks. He's brought to you by Frank Vincent Windows, Roofing, Siding, and Doors. Make your home look new again. I don't know how the Eagles make their team look new again, Casey, but you're a historian of the game. You're a guy that goes way back. Often, many people uh, who listen to this segment will hear you throw out Al Davis stuff and you know Bill Parcells. Have you ever seen a team go from ten and one and look like a legitimate Super Bowl contender to a team that legitimately doesn't look like they belong in the playoff field?
7: I believe it was the uh, 86 New York Jets, if I remember. It was 86 or 85. I mean, it was 86. They started off 10-1. and 1. The season crashed. Uh, they lost in a wild-card round. They were considered to be the Super Bowl team. And they and the Jets did that again under Mangini a few years ago. He, at one point, they had the best team in the league. I also think, though, this uh, team reminds me a bit of the – Late seventies New England Patriots, where they just had this kind of tremendous collection of talent, and then uh, uh, other issues caused them to not do as well as they uh, as they did. I even go baseball and say the old Montreal Expos. This is a, this is a Philadelphia Eagles team that talent wise can go toe to toe with anybody in the league, but they've got other issues to just causing them to, to come up short. And right, again, just you're seeing what's happening late. And you get players meetings, you get what happened. You're getting injuries. I mean, this thing is just crescendoing downhill.
2: Yeah, um if you're watching this team, let's, let's they made the decision to change the defensive coordinator a couple of weeks ago. How has that decision gone and what has happened?
7: Uh yeah, I don't want to necessarily judge it based entirely on yesterday. The problem that they had with the, with on the defensive side of the ball, I think they had certain consistency issues that they were Uh, that they weren't getting what they wanted out of their defense. I still think they went about solving it wrong. I think the problem from the beginning of the year is that you had built a team to be a run-centric team, and then you decided to be a pass-centric team. When you do that, you don't do that in a vacuum. You do that in what the the changes you make on offense impact what you're going to do on defense. That's what a lot of teams miss. All this stuff is complimentary. When we say complimentary, we're talking about, How your offense impacts your defense, how your defense impacts your offense, and you gotta build them in ways to where they work off of each other. And I think when they went with the more pass heavy mode earlier this year, and they've done it frequently throughout the season, when they've done that, I think it's put a lot of pressure on the defense. And I don't, I think the defense is built in such a way to work with the offense being a run heavy team. And I think they made the defensive coordinator change out of kind of desperation because they couldn't, they didn't have the complementary system set up.
2: Yeah, when you look at the talent on this defense, I mean is it a poor is it poor talent? Do you say, Man, they just don't have talent on this defense, or do you say they're just not running the right scheme with the talent they
7: have? I think that they when the thing is is they've got to a point I think they want other teams to start to be throwing at them. I think that is they did try and go with that approach and it kind of worked, but now defenses after the bye week, defense has decided, hey, we're gonna test build up you're running the ball. And we've talked about this in past weeks where Philadelphia, uh, over the last last eight weeks of the season, they allowed 100 or more rushing yards in every game. That's really bad. You don't want to be in triple digits. They'd only allowed 100 or more rushing yards once before that. They allowed 168 to the Chiefs, 173 to the Bills, 146 to the Niners. I think defensive rally will start to dictate to them in ways that the Eagles hadn't been dictated to before, because you didn't like to run to the Eagles in the past. We used to talk before about you'd get low good blocking rates against them, and you might get some breakaway runs, but you get low good blocking rates. And over the last eight weeks of the season, it's been high good blocking rates, and teams have been able to shove them around. And that that's the thing. When you get to that point as a defensive coordinator, if they're shoving you around, uh, and when you're on defense, there's not a lot you can do. You can't. You can make some adjustments. You got to bring an extra guy in the box. But if you really look at the game, really understand how things go, bringing an extra guy in the box is not a panacea to solving those problems. You just got to win uh, battles up front, and they're not doing it. I think it is partially a, a talent issue. But again, if you had a run-based offense, you might protect that defense from uh, some of the issues that it has.
2: Casey joined from the Athletic here. Uh, what's wrong with their offense?
7: Uh, a couple of things. One is mentioned they don't have the, the run-centric approach, and two, when you look at their play calling, what they're doing with their, with their receivers, <laughs> it's it's kind of you can play call play. You can play call receivers open and say, okay, we can just a lot of schemes, a lot of motions, a lot of things of that nature. Get receivers open, or you can say, okay, we're just going to tell our receivers go get open. If you've got really good receivers, the second approach will work. Say, look, just go get open. You're really talented. They'll play man coverage in the play zone. You just find a way to go get open, especially if you can get into the play man coverage. You can go ahead and get open that way. But the thing is, if you rely on that, if you get banged up receivers or if you get really good shutdown corners, you can start to take those things away and you can start to rely on that too much. And I think the Eagles said, we've got these really good receivers. We're going to go rely on them getting open. And it's kind of the thing about where the Dolphins used to do it with Dan Marino. They said, hey, he's going to be an erasure. solve all our problems. Or the Colts did with Andrew Luck a few years ago. Or the Colts used to do with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's so good at solving so many of our problems. It's like, no, you're still going to solve those problems. He can overcome them, but you'd do well to not ask him to do that. I think the Eagles have said receivers go get open. And as they've been getting banged up, they haven't been able to get as open. And teams are starting to respond to that, too, by recovering them in different ways. And you got to have a plan B. And the Eagles' plan B was just we're more talented. You you can't rely on that never again
2: all right, so when you look at what this team has been over the last six weeks, I mean, they're 1-5, in they've really struggled, they've lost to the Giants. I mean, they got beat up by the Giants. The game wasn't competitive at all yesterday. They got beat up by Arizona. They lost that game on the road to Seattle. Um, is this a team that has just given up, or is this a team Dallas Goddard said, hey, when we clinched. Uh, maybe we've been looking forward to the playoffs a little bit. Is that possible with this? Or are you looking at a team that is simply lost out there?
7: I think they He's. – I'm sure he's right. That he, you know, He's there on the team that they were looking forward to the playoffs. That makes sense. They got banged up. They got wore down again. Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys, and then road game against the Seahawks. That's a tough – tough road to go and I think the league thought we'll give you those five tough games and we'll give you three easy games at the end of the season it's like three easy games, it's two against the Giants they're our division foe, they hate us and the Cardinals are obviously not an easy out for anybody this year so I think that last half of the schedule has just been Brutal for them. And I think that you know, going into the playoffs, I think this is a team that frankly needed some rest and not getting the bye is just going to be a, a huge problem for them. Because this is a team that could have used a bye to get rested up because they were playing great up until then. And like I said, once they beat the Bills and they got to that point, they played the Niners and the Niners punched them out. Plus, I also think that when they, when they lost to the Niners and lost to the Cowboys, in fact, especially the Niners, I think that Niners game showed They can't handle power football. They can't handle a team punching them in the mouth. And I think that was a really big game that they thought we can go toe to toe with the Niners. And the Niners did the same thing them did to the Cowboys when they're playing at the top of the game. Maybe only the Ravens can beat them. And I think the Eagles finally. I think that showed the Eagles something that maybe we're not as good as we thought we were.
2: Okay, two roles here. What role does Jalen Hurts have in this? And what role, in your mind, does Nick Sirianni
7: have in this? Uh, I think Jalen Hurts' role (laughs) is that. Who I We don't know. I can't say that I know any of this. But if, if Hurts wants them to throw the ball more, then he's making kind of a mistake. Remember when Lamar Jackson this offseason, he said something along the lines of, hey, on this new offense, I can throw for 6,000 yards. And everybody thought, oh, my gosh, the Ravens are going to go all pass heavy. And it's like, wow, that's a really terrible idea. And you look at them this year and it's like, yeah, they're more effective in their passing game. They probably increased their passing some. But this is still using Lamar Jackson's talents to their fullest. I think the Eagles have tried to say we're going to make Jalen Hurts into a passing quarterback. I don't know how much he is asking for that, if he is at all. Uh, I, Nick Sirianni has made it clear in the past that he you know, he's another Andy Reid type who wants to throw the ball every down if he can. And I think that's a bad combination if you're trying to say, hey, we need these guys to go. Because Jalen Hurts has a skill set that you have to maximize. And it's not just all passing, it's running. And, again, we're seeing it with the Ravens. Their passing game has been very good this year, very efficient this year. And they are the best team in the league. And if the Eagles had followed that same route, that's part of it too. Plus, I also say they don't have the full running back core. They need a Thunderback. They've got Lightning backs. They need a Thunderback. They didn't have one coming into this year, and they're paying the price for it.
2: All right, uh, let's get one thought every game as Week 18. The book is closed on some of these teams, and others are advancing. It started on Saturday when Pittsburgh beat Baltimore, and that put them in the playoffs because it put pressure on some other teams. So Pittsburgh's in, and Baltimore sat everybody uh, but is Pittsburgh a team that teams should be worried about?
7: <laughs> hey, well, it, Watt being hurt is going to be a big problem and, and such. But the Pittsburgh is a team as we've seen over the years. They play really, really, really tough when their back is against the wall. They they handle adversity a whole lot better than they handle uh, when things are going well for them. They barely beat the Ravens, but it's not surprising. The Ravens going to play them tough and such. I still think. I mean, the, the Steelers opened as a ten point dog or a nine and a half points at last check. I think that's probably a, an accurate assessment of where they are. But if you don't play hard against the Steelers for four quarters, and Tomlin uh, doing what he's doing, and you know if he if he stays there or not, if this is this his last game? Who knows? But I think God's kid's going to be tough out.
2: Uh, let's go to uh, Houston and Indianapolis. I mean, this literally came down to the final play. The winner was in. The loser was out. And Houston moves on.
7: <laughs> it's Stroud versus Minshew. Minshew is good, but Stroud is just a tad bit better. And they've got bigger play players. They've got uh, a couple. They have more receiving talent than the Colts. They have got a slightly better running game than the Colts. It's one of those things where the Texans right now have just a just enough manager with Colts in enough areas that they were able to pull off this road win. It was one of the cl- the closest games of the week. Having said that, though, the Colts. Hey, where you were last year, and where you were this year, you could see a future. You get Richardson back. I, I think the Colts should you know, they'd be down about missing the playoffs. But hey, I like where this future for this team versus where it was last year
2: one thought every game the sunday slate cleveland cincinnati it was one of the few games that didn't really matter but cleveland uh they're going to do the playoffs here and they're going to play the texans
7: they are and i think it's going to be one of the better games in the in the playoffs and look at cleveland and all the teams they beat this year they're a super bowl contender i i'd say that without hesitation that they you know they beat baltimore in baltimore they could beat anybody having said that quick note in the Bengals. Hey, it's a, team, it's a game that means nothing. You played terrible your last few weeks, and yet you come out here and they played as hard as they did. It shows how much self-respect they have and how much respect they have for their coach. Uh, it speaks well for the Bengals to have played as hard as they do. Like I said, the Browns, smart idea of the recipe because this is a team that's got uh, a, it, it wouldn't be a surprise to see them make a Super Bowl
2: One thought every game. Minnesota, they fall to Detroit. Detroit now, the three seed and they had, uh you know, LaPorta gets banged up here. They put up a 30 spot and now they'll get a home playoff game for the the first time since 93.
7: I think... You know, you could say Detroit shouldn't have played their starters, but after what happened against Dallas and such, I think they wanted to get that out of their heads to go, we need something different in our heads before we go to the playoffs. We can't have that Dallas game on our minds. We've got to do something else. So I think they said we've got to go out and win this game. We've got to go out and play well and have a a better vibe going into the playoffs. Yeah, LaPorta gets hurt, but I give the Lions credit for know it for, you know, I give Luke Campbell credit for knowing the psychology of my team heads in the playoffs is really important. So I give them a lot of credit for what they do in Detroit. I think I think they're gonna their playoff fair is gonna have is gonna matter about how many shootouts they can get in how many they can win because they're a team that's gonna have to win by shootouts in the playoffs. All right, one
2: thought every game, the best bet of the year, Tennessee as a home dog. <laughs> they not only covered but they knocked Jacksonville out of the playoffs. Probably one of the more disappointing stories of the year.
7: It was, I should, I picked the Jaguars to win and after I'm like, I should have followed Mike's advice on that one. I should have listened. So, <laughs> uh, Derek Henry, buck 53, he's not looked that good this year. He looked really good and the Jaguars look like a worn down team. I know they're banged up and Lawrence is banged up and man, you'd hope that, uh, you know, that, that you could see a healthy Lawrence at this time of year, but. It just shows you the Jaguars, the drop-off from Lawrence to their backup. If you gave them, let's say, if you gave them Jake Browning and said, okay, you could sit Lawrence for a couple games and get him healthy, I think it's a different Jaguars team. So the Jaguars need about a backup quarterback upgrade, I think.
2: All right, one thought every game. Uh, Jets win. That's not the story. Have we seen the final game of Bill Belichick in New England?
7: I, I would say, yeah, if only because I would think that he'd want to, if he wants to, obviously he says he wants to stay in coaching and things, it, it's gonna, it's a rebuild there. And you've got a, a, a whole, an entire rebuild situation. He's at a point in his career where maybe he needs to say, I'm going to go to a place where I've got a good uh, uh, talent evaluator who give me talent for three or four years. He wants to beat Shula's record. It's going to probably take him two years to do it. I don't think he can do it in a single season. I think he's 13 wins behind, so it's going to take him two years to do it. You know, Maybe three if he stayed in New England, but I think that's a situation that he needs to go to, because if he stays in New England, unless he gives up uh, personnel power, I think gonna have the same style of team, and it's going to just be more of the same, so it's probably a good idea for them to part ways.
2: All right, one thought every game, Atlanta, New Orleans. This game ended up having no meaning, but it got Arthur Smith possibly <laughs> fired. Uh, as New Orleans tried their best, but both Teams are out.
7: Yeah, it says something for Dennis Allen though that he told his players evidently on that last play, uh, take a knee, take a knee, take a knee, and the players decided on their own we're going to go ahead and give the ball to Jamal Williams to get him a touchdown because he had zero going in the game and he had 17 last year led the league. So uh, I think it says something that it's kind of that the players are you know maybe he's a players coach and, and all that and I don't it doesn't bode well. You know, I don't think that happens on a Parcells team. I don't think that happens on a check team. So but having said that. 48-17, the Saints got the win, and uh, it's a good look for them heading into the offseason of the Falcons. They were kind of a schizophrenic team this year. They, they needed to make a change because they weren't sure what they wanted to be. Yeah,
2: they finally used Bijan John Robinson. It only took them 18 weeks to get him involved <laughs> there. Uh, Tampa beats Carolina 9-0. Now, the, probably one of the ugliest playoff games you'll see it sets up for Monday night. Tampa wins the division.
7: Yeah, it reminds of the nine nothing Rams Bucks nineteen seventy nine NFC Championship game where the Rams went down to Tampa and beat the Bucks nine nothing. Same idea. The Bucks defense looks great. At Carolina as bad as the odds two straight shutouts to me to you. but it's still it speaks well for the Bucks and the Bucks are going to need a lot more though. I, I I question you know that it's they could win this first matchup, but they're they're a limited team. I, I think the ceiling for them is I don't know if it's one and done, but I just, there's too many weaknesses on this club right now to get past the division around, but hey, to win your division is a, is a big plus for them.
2: One thought every game uh, Bears gave it to Green Bay, but it's the Packers who win and advance to the playoffs.
7: Love another 300 yard game, a couple touchdowns and no picks, if I remember correctly. Uh, Jones gets 111 yards to the ground, Reed catches for 112. Uh, LaFleur is a really, really, really good offensive coordinator. I think uh, even with all the kudos that he got i think a lot of people thought okay hey Rodgers did that for you now he's showing no i'm pretty good at this too i you know as much as good as rogers was i can call a good offense and, and that's a, a big plus for them and they're a team that will give a good offensive performance and their defense uh, it's kind of hit or miss it depends on how they play if uh, their defense plays well they can make some noise
2: one thought every game denver and vegas both teams not making it but uh, has vegas found their head coach
7: I would think so. When your players come out publicly, your star players come out publicly and say, "This is the guy that we want." Your team is playing with a lot of energy. Uh, they just had a you know record-setting, a team record-setting uh, score against the Chargers a few weeks ago. When you're doing it this well, I think it's it's a big plus. I know the I think the Raiders have to go through a, a, a process of of talking to other coaches and such. Al Davis used to use that as a way to find out what was going on around the league and use it as an information gathering bit. So I think the Raiders need to go ahead and do that, but. Frankly, uh, unless somebody came in and just blew their socks off, I think uh, hmm. Antonio Pierce is your guy.
2: Interesting. All right. One thought every game. Seattle wins, but they are eliminated. And, again, Arizona fights hard but comes up short.
7: Uh, Arizona fights hard, comes up short, love their future. And you give them a little more talent and such. I mean, as hard as they fought, as well as they were coached. I mean, this is a, it's a very good – this is a team that could – I mean this – the utmost in sincerity. If they get just enough talent, I wouldn't be surprised if to see them be a wild card contender next year. I mean, they're that good. Seattle, though, smoking cigars after winning a game like this—you didn't make the playoffs. I get it. But at the same time, Seattle, you kind of hit your ceiling. I think they need a, a bit of a change up there. And uh, it, it, you know, it's nice to celebrate this, but. I mean, you gotta, you barely got to win there like this. I, like I said, I just Seattle. Seattle is a disappointing season, and to act like it's anything other is disingenuous on their part.
2: One thought every game: Kansas City. They win thirteen to twelve over the Chargers. Kansas City feels a lot like Philly entering the playoffs, and people are just not all that excited about them.
7: No, they've got weaknesses. Their offense is nowhere near what it was. Kelsey didn't get a thousand yards this year, this season. I mean, it's, it's that kind of, that kind of problem. Uh, you know, the, the opening matchup, Dolphins, hey, you know, I think they could win that, but I, they're not a team I'm thinking is a, is a true Super Bowl contender. I would be surprised that they made the conference championship, but, uh, you know, beat that, and beating the Chargers like that. Hey, they did with their backups and the Chargers did what they could. So I got to give Andy Reid credit for saying, hey, we're still going to, the effort level is still there, which is a big thing because a lot of the teams uh, might have taken that game off.
2: One thought every game, the Rams, they win with Carson Wentz against the backups of the 49ers. But the Rams now, one of those teams that feels like that's the one you don't want to get stuck playing.
7: Oh, no, no, because their offense, it might be the best in the league right now. If it's not, it's top three. And they're a team that can, on any day, put up 30 against anybody. And I mean anybody. I mean Baltimore. I mean any – you pick your defense. On 49ers, they could pick – they could put up 30 against any team. And I don't that's not a good Super Bowl uh, uh, formula to say, hey, we got to win shootouts and then say the wild card, divisional and conference championship. It's hard to win three straight shootout games 'cause are kind of 50 50 propositions. But they're a team that if any team could do it, they could do it. I'm not saying they will, but they're a team that could win three straight shootouts and be well rested like they are to have the essentialist bye week is a big plus for them.
2: One thought every game, Dallas wins. It was ugly early. You had a blocked field goal. You had an interception from Dak, but they end up blowing out the commanders who fired Ron Rivera today.
7: Yeah, they did, and they had to. Commanders allowed 500. It's the most points that Washington has ever allowed. It's a 92-year history of their team. It's the most points they've ever allowed, and you could even prorate it on a per-game basis. It's probably the worst defense of Washington history. And Rivera a defensive coach. You, you got to let them go. Having said that, the Cowboys, Cowboys kind of on cruise control, and they still put up 38. I know it's the competition level and things, but that says something. Dallas, hey, it's just a matter of being, of being consistent. They're consistent. This is a Super Bowl team, but you got to ask them to be consistent for three weeks. Not sure they can do that.
2: Finally, one thought every game for the AFC East. It was Buffalo over Miami. This was a weird situation where if Miami would have won, they would have had a play again. If there was a tie, Miami would have had a different opponent. If there was a loss, they would have had a third opponent. They end up losing, and now they'll play Kansas City.
7: It is, and Buffalo... I love how McDermott he gets interviewed at halftime, and and, and uh, uh, Allen had made another mistake because he'd thrown some interceptions, he risks risked some passes, and then he threw a pass short of the end zone on the last play. And you can see McDermott is just frustrated about it. And that's the thing about Allen is he said in week one, going to that Jets game, okay, I got to make sure I don't throw a pass to the coverage. It's the most important thing. I make sure I don't throw a pass to the coverage. Oh, game long is throwing a pass to the coverage. It looks like Jim Kelly under under pressure back <laughs> in, the, in the old days. And he's doing the same thing. So that's the thing. The Bills, how do they go? Okay, tell me how Josh Allen plays that day, and I'll tell you how they do in the playoffs. Because if he plays consistently, they can win the Super Bowl. But if he does what he's done multiple times this year and decides I'm just going to take chances I, I ought not take, okay, they're not going to get there.
2: Casey Joyner has one thought every game after each week, and the 18 weeks have come to an end. We'll get you ready for the Super Wild Card round on Thursday when he joins us here, and we'll take a look at all the matchups with Casey Joyner right here on the Sports Fast Live on 97.3 ESPN. All right, man, the playoffs are here.
7: Should be fun. There's a great slate of uh, first round games and, uh, and a lot of a lot of new blood in the in the playoffs too. A lot of new matchups to touch. Uh, it should be it should be interesting if nothing else.
2: That's Casey Joyner. He's brought to you by Frank Vincent Windows, Roofing, Siding, and Doors. Make your home look new again. You know of the playoff teams, Rye, Which teams at the beginning of the year, if you said they made the playoff, they got in that you would have said I would
5: never have seen them in. Maybe Pittsburgh? Nah, Pittsburgh, no, not so much. I'm never surprised Cleveland. With Pittsburgh. Cleveland, yes, especially with what transpired. Houston, I'm surprised. Houston, that's on. the one. Right? That has to be the one. Has to be. Packers? Yeah, Packers, interesting. Yeah, you, you didn't know what love was going to bring,
2: right? I mean, In fact, I don't know in all my who in, who's in, who's out the entire year, I don't think I had the Packers in once. There you go. I don't think I had the Packers in one time. I had the Rams in my first one of the year.
5: Rams are dangerous, man. I think they might take out Detroit. And I like the Lions. Yeah. All
2: right, when we come back, John McMullen
5: is going to join us. He was
2: at the Sirianni Presser today. Uh, We'll get the latest on him. Where does he think the state of this franchise is? Right now? We'll find out what John McMullen from Birds 365 has to say next on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN.
1: With Mike Gill. Do I
7: have everybody's attention now?
1: On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app.
4: Are you interested in (laughs) starting?
2: That's what he he does during the week, man. Maddie P. Oh, man, that's twice today that Patricia left us out to dry. It's a Monday. All right. It's a Monday. Sean Desai. Monday, Matt. Uh, John McMullen, Birds 365, is here. Now, John, I'm sure that you will do your best to try to tell us what has happened to this team. But yesterday might have been the worst of all of the efforts this year. The worst in terms of competitiveness against a team. And when you're talking about the cha- the team on the other side, uh, it's one thing to lose to San Francisco. It's one lose to- thing to lose to Dallas. You weren't competitive in that game at all yesterday, and I don't know that they were trying to be, but the first half of that game was about as bad as you've seen. Defensively, in your mind, you asked Nick Sirianni today. You said about the outside looking in, there's a lot of communication issues. When you're watching that team yesterday, they look like a team – that has never been on the field together before. Is what has happened defensively to this team?
4: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, they're kind of Benjamin, Benjamin bucking the communication issues. <laughs> they kids, they get worse. If you go back to that, you know, maybe their best game of the season was was Tampa in week three, uh, where they look great on the on the defensive side of the football and. You know, people were excited and saying they're going to be better than you know, because they didn't like uh, Jonathan Gannon and, and Sean Desai was going to be better. And it's gotten progressively worse. It's supposed to go the other way, and the communication is supposed to get better and better as the season wears on. Then they look. It was a, it was obviously a mistake um, to uh, demote Sean and, and put Matt Patricia's It's gotten. Worse, and it's gotten to the point where, you know, whether you look at all the independent film analysts that just taking shots at them, Emmanuel Ocho, former Eagles for F- FS1, Brian Baldinger. I mean, they're just killing them, and rightfully so because they're they're making simple um, mistakes, and and you know you could blame it on the young players and some of the injuries and. You know, there's some startup costs there, but now it's veteran players and, and it just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And the snowball is, is charging downhill. And, um, yeah, it, it doesn't look good. And, and, and that to me, when, whenever the eulogy for this season is, is written, and it's probably, I, I still think they got a good chance to beat Tampa Bay, but that has more to do with Tampa Bay than the Eagles. Just not a very good football team. Um, it, 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 you know, then it's going to end, whether it's San Francisco, Dallas, Detroit, however it shakes out. Um, it's going to end, and, and it, it, people are going to look back. And I think number one, the top bullet point is going to be that panicked decision to move away from Sean Decide and Matt Patricia. Not that Sean was doing a great job, but, you know, young coaches need time to grow into their roles and and the way it's looked in hindsight it's it's just a disaster
2: is it such a disaster now I guess this is a hard question to answer and I'm sure you know where I'm going that that the head coach would be in trouble for making the decision if in fact he did make the decision if it was in fact Nick Sirianni who went to the front office and said hey guys I'd like to make a change and they said okay but this is your ass on the line, and this was the result. I mean, is it
4: that bad that it would be a fireable offense? I, I don't think I don't think Nick is getting fired, but you know, it it starts the clock, as I would like to say, on Nick Sirianni. So, you know, everybody's got a shelf life in the NFL, and it, it tends to go certain ways and you have the Eagles way has been to scapegoat certain assistant coaches. Uh, And then when that doesn't work, then then the head coach is on the clock and they can either turn it around or not turn it around. So I think that's where we are after this season with Nick Sirianni. Um, Not getting fired, but the clock starts and whether, you know, he's told who the next defensive coordinator is going to be, or he decides, you know, he better get the next one right. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. I know people are excited. Wink Martindale resigned with the Giants and, you know, but there'll be timing issues there. The Eagles will probably complain about this Wink will be, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll have a lot of interest around the league and, the Eagles, being in the playoffs, will be behind the eight balls. So. But, I mean, as far as how the Eagles do things, and whether it's Nick or Jeffrey or Howie, they always talk about the collaborative process. I'll just say this. Howie Rosen found Sean Desai. Um, Nick Sirianni approved the hiring of Sean Desai. So if he's that bad, then everybody looks bad. Simple as that.
5: <laughs> Johnny, um I know he was asked today about making any changes to the play caller, which I don't think the timing heading into a playoff game for that is ideal. So I understand his abrupt no, but making adjustments, right? Like they have not made any type of adjustments here throughout this stretch of disaster, uh, you know, particularly on offense, but you can touch on, you know, both sides of the ball, whatever you want here. So what adjustments are out there to make in your opinion,
4: if any, heading into this game against Tampa? Not many. I mean, you know, it's it's week 19. Uh, it's not the time for adjustments. This is when you're supposed to be, you know, in theory, playing your best football, wherever that may be, if you're the nine and eight Buccaneers or you're the best team, the Baltimore Ravens, San Francisco, 49ers, whoever you think. Uh, you want to be at, at your optimum level, not changing, not wild changes as you hit to the. That's not a good sign. And well, not not. Sorry to cut you off, J Mac,
5: but not wild changes. But you have to put this fire out, so to speak, don't you? Or you just let the ship
4: sink. Well, it's not about letting the ship sink, but I, I think the ship is is the players at this point, and they're gonna they're gonna probably out talent Tampa Bay. And and they did out talent New York or
2: Arizona.
4: Yeah, but I, I mean, let's be honest. They, they, you know, yesterday was the worst game of the Nick Sirianni era. I, I don't, you know, they they played this, and it's another mistake by the by the head coach. They played this thing, whether you want to call it judiciously. You try their scoreboard Watson, They're sitting certain guys, but they're not sitting other guys. It was just a. Bad plan, and, and and people get that feeling like, eh, it's not that important. And it, it's human nature, and it, it was it was just a, a train wreck of a game. Um, but again, AJ Brown gets hurt. Devontae Smith's not out there. DeAndre Swift got got an illness; he's not out there. Fletcher Cox sat for a veteran maintenance day play could have been back, but they didn't want to put him on that turf. Um, All these players, even even the guys like Reed Blankenship, he he would have played through uh, uh, that groin injury. Cam Jurgens probably would have played. uh, Even the guys who left in the game. So they're playing this weird game um, and and then taking guys out when it got out of hand. Uh, All those guys are going to play this weekend, with the exception of Cindy Brown, who tore his ACL. But... So Brown's going to be back. Devontae Smith's going to be back. DeAndre Swift's going to be back. Uh, Cam Juergens is going to be out there. Um, you know, Fletcher's going to be out there. Darius Slay is going to be out there. Um, you know, that's different. When, when Quez Watkins is your top playmaker, yeah, you're probably going to have some
5: issues. What about the issues? And John, I, you know, I'm not necessarily attacking you here. I, I just, I need you to to calm me down, so to speak, because I haven't seen anything to suggest that I should feel like this Eagles team is going to win Monday. I mean, Arizona, you had the better team, even yesterday with all the points you just made. Eagles still should have won that game, and they shouldn't have gotten embarrassed how they did. I mean, this has been five, six weeks now of just the snowball effect, the frustrations in the locker room, all the other issues. I mean things are mounting here i just i don't know you just seem like they're just going to turn a a light switch on here monday on the road in tampa for a playoff game and get a win
4: well i do think they're going to get a playoff win in tampa but it has again it has more to do with the box than it has to do with the eagles it's not a very good football team i mean they're playing carolina the worst team in football with their playoff lives on the line i think you know, Baker Mayfield threw for 113 yards or something like that. They, they win the game 9-0. Carolina had two touchdowns called back, missed a couple. I mean, they're terrible, too. Two teams playing very, very poorly, matching up. I'll take the team with the better players. That's my mentality of how they're going to win this football game. And I think they're going to play pretty well. And I think Eagles fans are going to get excited again, and they're going to buy back in. And then... Comes, <laughs> then comes the reality. Right. And then well, they're going to get their heads handed to them. I, I guess,
2: though, <laughs> that's so how is, I think
4: it's going to shake out.
2: Is there something that happened in this season? Or is it simply, look, they were 10-1, and one, they just kind of found their way to win. The the, the the thing that I'm having problems with, John, they were 10-1. and one. It wasn't like we were like, eh, they really stink. We were like, they're 10-1, and one, and they're finding ways to win, and that's a sign of a good team, and they're coming back, and they're not giving up. And then they lose to San Francisco. Okay, you got beat by San Francisco. They're a good team. All right, you lost to Dallas. You had beaten Dallas the first time. You kind of anticipate, well, you probably split with Dallas anyway. It's the Seattle, Arizona, and then whatever happened yesterday. I don't even know how you want to quantify that. But is there a, a moment in this season where it went from this team is a legitimate playoff, deep playoff run, Super Bowl contender, to... I don't even know that uh, – No, I mean, you're at the point of apathy.
4: Yeah, well, I, I think it was the move from from Sean to Matt Patricia. I think that was the move. I, I, I think, that in hindsight, that was just such a crazy decision. It, it's beyond crazy. Uh, and it goes far deeper than changing at 10-3 because they first were talking about the change during the bye week when they were 8-1. Uh, who talks about changing coordinators when you're eight and one even when things aren't going as well certainly as they had hoped and and certainly on third down just doesn't make any sense I think the expectations we've talked about I think it weighed on them uh, you know they weren't having fun that's documented everybody's miserable after wins I think it I think that to a certain degree weighed them down that was a panic move that just went in a negative direction. Uh, And then you're right. I I think if they win those games, I I think if you look at the Seattle game, if they win that game and they go on and beat Arizona Giants, even though those are three games against two really bad teams and one pretty good team that was playing a backup quarterback, uh, I think everybody's fine. I think everybody's psyched up, even though they're not impressive wins. But the fact that they lost... Not one, not two, but all of them, I think, has turned into, um, you know, pa- panic mode. It was Dallas Goddard who said, and and by the way, that was interesting. It's like they we started thinking about the playoffs four or five weeks ago. I think, I think that, that comment is the like, most.
2: I think that comment yeah. is the most perplexing thing I've ever heard.
4: <laughs> yeah, it was like, well, we're not going to get the number one seed, so we're just worrying about the playoffs. Uh, I'm like. I really do think they're going to go in there Monday night and just surprise people and whack the you know what out of Tampa. Uh, and again, I think people are going to buy back in. They oh, they flip the switch, and then you know it's going to come back to Earth most likely against San Francisco uh, because they got a lot of issues, especially defensively. Uh, Offensively, yeah. It's got to be about just the players elevating and and guys making plays. And Jalen making plays, A.J., Devontae, Dallas Goddard, DeAndre Swift. Um, So I'm not as worried, uh, not that they don't have problems on offense. They have problems everywhere. But they have so many problems on defense, I can't even get to the offense.
2: Which... uh... It's interesting because I was going to ask you about Hertz and and what do you think his role is in all of this?
4: I think his role is um, a certain type of quarterback and people want to turn him into a different type of quarterback. The blitz is a big narrative this week. I encourage everyone to look at Nick Sirianni's offense when Phillip Rivers was in, in Indianapolis. Oh, they had blitz beaters. Just Rammers liked them and needed them because obviously he wasn't a mobile quarterback. He never was, even when he was young, never mind when he was nearing 40. Uh, but he was really good at it, you know, reading defenses, understanding where the blitz is coming from, throwing the football uh, to the absent zone right behind the blitz. Uh, he was phenomenal at it. Um, they don't do it here. Why? Did he forget it? Quarterback's not comfortable with it. Um, Do you want to turn him into Phillip Rivers? Because if you do, it's not going to be good. Mm -hmm. And you go back to that third and 20 play. With A.J. Brown in in the one game the Eagles were able to win, guys like Phillip Rivers can't make that play. So there's some good and some bad With Jalen Hurts, the bad is he's not running a West Coast offense. So people obsessed with it. Be careful what you wish for. If you try, that's what the Eagles tried to do in 2021 when Nick first got here. Did people forget that already? They put too much on his plate. They were two and five. They looked awful. And then only when they scaled it back and tried to. Rebuild the offense. What what around what Jalen does well did they take off? Now they have to adjust. They have to evolve. They have to add things. But for those who want dropback passer, blitz beaters, traditional, he ain't that type of quarterback. I'm sorry. All right, we got
2: plenty more all week long. Here is uh, this is on like something I've never seen. People are trying to compare it to like you know co-tight teams and the Jets team that uh, I don't know that there's anything like this man. This is something I've never seen before. I don't know if you've got a little bit more experience than I have in covering teams in this league, but I've never seen anything like this where a team went from not
4: not not again not from a team that was this good for an extended period of time. It's yeah. never been anything like it. The Jets were the 86 Jets were 10 and 1 and finished 10 and 6. Um, and ironically, they won a playoff game and then got uh, beat in the divisional round, which is exactly what I think is going to happen to the Eagles. Um, it, it's very rare. You know, this team had won, you know, they won 24 of 26 starts with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. And all of a sudden it falls off the rails. yeah, there really is no other comp for having that much success. And then going through a stretch like this, maybe <laughs> Dallas. You know, Chad Johnson or, or Chad Ochocinco. He's out there with a the video saying the Eagles are doing it on purpose. So if you're a conspiracy theory and you want some hope, listen to Chad. Said they're setting people up. as Dallas Goddard said they're just waiting.
2: They're just waiting for the playoff. Ah, these regular yeah. season games they didn't mean anything to us. We're, we're about to show yeah. everybody. Uh, John McMullen, Burt's 365, weekday mornings at 8 a.m. on the Jacob Media YouTube channel here on the Sports Path. John, thanks, bud.
4: All right, thanks, guys.
2: And uh, he'll be back tomorrow. We'll go a little bit further in depth. And he was brought to you, of course, by the Ocean's Gallery Bar Book and Games here in Atlantic City. Go to OceanAC.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
5: Uh, Sirianni would be the greatest coach of all time, if that's what they're doing, just playing possum. To Ojo Cinco's point, and they- That worked. Yeah, come on now, though.
2: All right, we'll wrap up the show on the other side. Don't go away. More Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. This-
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mike Gill. And I am the voice of the voiceless. On 97.3
1: ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app.
2: All right, we're getting out of here. That's uh, it for us here. Thanks to everybody here, of course, at the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino. Should be a, uh interesting week, everybody. To put it politely, yeah. I still can't wrap my head around the
5: fact that this has happened. Never seen anything like it. It's history. I don't know what's going to happen in Tampa, man. The way this has gone, they'll win in Tampa. I wouldn't be shocked if they came back and won the game
2: and I don't know if that reinvigorates uh anything for the following week but they'll go to they'll go to San Francisco most likely oh and just get destroyed or Dallas yeah because if the Rams win then you would go to Dallas because the Rams would be going to San Francisco all right Josh has game night up next. Ryan and Danny Ryan. I'm Mike Gill. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody.
10: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop
6: by. Granger